Hello, everybody. Before we dive into our best of 2017 smorgasbordy, a quick reminder at the top, this is our best of everything 2017 episodes. That means there will be spoilers for like every show, any show. We talk about best fight scene, best death, uh, best lines, best jokes, like... We, we spoil a lot of shows. So if you are uh, someone who is particularly avoiding TV conversations around like your favorite shows that you just haven't gotten to or things you've been meaning to see for for this year, uh, maybe put this one on hold until you've finished up that uh, season of Twin Peaks or the season of uh, not really any, <laughs> any TV that uh, you are particularly invested in not being spoiled on. Most of our conversation is very lighthearted and fun and very silly <laughs> talking about the year's TV. But we do, as one of the categories discuss, the best and worst TV deaths. Most of that conversation is very lighthearted and uh, most of the TV deaths we'll be commenting on were rather, were rather, you know, heightened stylized things. However, there is one death we'll be talking about that is uh, rather uh, triggering and painful. So if you are someone who is triggered by discussions around violence or death or self-harm, then you may want to skip. Uh, you certainly will, may want to skip parts of this episode. You may want to just skip the entire episode. We will give a specific trigger warning again when we are getting to that topic in the show with a timestamp of when to skip ahead to. Um, but just we wanted to mention that at the top of the show as well uh, to be aware of how you know certain topics will affect certain uh, of our listeners. So uh, with no further ado, let's get to the show. Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your host, Owen Kate, likes to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, let's the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kalzik, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. Noel, happy holidays. Happy holidays to you, Kate. Did you have a nice Christmas? I did. I did have a very relaxing and chill and fun and like recharging kind of Christmas. I told my family I wasn't cooking a damn thing. And mm -hmm. So I, I would assist, but I was not taking on any responsibilities for food. And that helped make a much more chill Christmas for me. More stressful for them, but less stressful for me. And after Thanksgiving was super stressful, I'm okay with that. Yeah, I think that's a fair trade. How about you? Uh, it was fine. I video chatted with my family uh, that's in Atlanta, and then I went up to my Pacific Northwest family, and I haven't been around a Christmas celebration that involved small children in a very long time. Um, so there was, like, lots of random paper, lots of, can you help me put this together? Can we put this together now? How does this work? <laughs> type of thing. And why didn't you, why didn't anyone get us batteries? Um, conversations between the two parents. Um, I will point out for the record that Uncle Noel bought batteries for his thing that required batteries. And ah. they were attached to the box. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which I did not need to do because they have a wealth of AA batteries. They did not have a wealth of any other kind of battery. <laughs> but I showed the foresight necessary for that. Good. Very, very good. And clearly they will uh, hopefully learn from you for yeah. future Christmases. But hopefully, no, that, that sounds crossed. lovely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we have... A lot of TV to talk about. 
No, we don't. We have three episodes to talk about this week. <laughs> Shield, Steven, and you haven't watched the Doctor Who special yet. I so have that watched kind the Doctor Who special. Up. Oh, have you? I All just right. haven't updated the thing about that because I've been frantically coming up with choices for the smorgasbordie of all of our different best of everything besides top 20 TV shows from 2017. So we should probably, I guess, dive in with that. Yeah, let's point. do it. Let's do it. Um, so listeners, thank you to those who have written in in the past week with thoughts about uh, the best shows of 2017 and also this past week's TV. We will respond to, to that stuff in the next episode, but we're keeping this one just best of 2017. So we'll kick things off with our best of 2017 performance awards. Mm-hmm. Uh, very exciting. And f- so let's start with best performance uh, lead character. And let's say, let's say female character lead. I know, like, what do you think about, like, should we do gendered awards or should we just do lead performance regardless of gender? I mean, we can do lead performance regardless of gender. I have, like, enough, I have, like, technically I have more uh, lady performers than I do um, uh, male performers, but that's fine with me. I'm okay with that. I have double the amount of lead female performers. (laughs) Well. You know, because it's that's a conversation that comes up around yeah. award season, and I think there are strong arguments to be made either side. It doesn't matter what gender you are, yeah. uh, how you know what kind of performance you give, and it's also very, uh, you know, very binary to just live in everything to male and female. But then again, the writing that is available for men and women, you know, and as compared to you know non gender conforming individuals, but like. Uh, the, the the material available is very different, hence why we end up with those two categories. But on TV, there's been a lot of both. So let's just say best performance, lead performance of 2017. Give me your top, no order, give me like five, if you have okay. that many. Um, well then, sorry one person, you're going to get cut. Good. Give me your top six. Okay. Well, to be fair, <laughs> two, of the, two of them are, I basically paired together to cheat. And that's yeah. um, uh, Carrie Bichet and Mackenzie Davis from Halt and Catch Fire. Um, who I consider basically co-leads on that show. And so that's my cheat of those two. But I also have uh, Ted Danson from The Good Place on here, um, Jonathan Groff for Mindhunter, uh, Elizabeth Moss for Handmaid's Tale, and Alison Brie for Glow. Excellent choices all. Yeah. Uh, I will not pick any of those talented people <laughs> just to to share the wealth a little bit so i'll throw some love to uh rachel uh, bloom uh, mm-hmm. i will throw some love to pamela adlin for better things okay. scoot mcnary from hall and catch fire okay so you could argue this is supporting but i'm gonna give it to, that's some love to him uh matthew reese and carrie russell on the americans and carrie coon on the leftovers and I feel good about that. So those will be my picks for lead performance in 2017. How about supporting performance in 2017? Yeah, this one was a little smaller for me, um, mainly because I wanted to give um, John Rothman some love from One Mississippi, um, who just kills it each time. Um, uh, Rita Moreno, naturally, one day at a time. Um, and then Carrie Preston for Claws was really great um, this year. <laughs> Yeah, and then uh, Chapman from Crazy Ex Girlfriend um, is just so good, Kate. She's so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So th- those would be my picks for like supporting performers this year. 
There's so many. Like, well, there's, yeah, there's so many good ones. There's so many good ones. It's really hard. When we get to ensemble, that's where actually I had the hardest time looking at like who who would make it and who wouldn't because all of my favorite shows from the last year had amazing ensemble performances. Um, for supporting performance, you already did John Rothman, so that that yeah. takes away one of mine. But I'm gonna throw some love to Alex Borstein on Marvelous mm-hmm. Mrs. Maisel, Stephanie Beatrice. From Brooklyn nice. Nine-Nine and also Terry Crews from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. They both had terrific spotlight episodes and, and crushed it. And they're both awesome. And then trying to single out someone from Big Little Lies is really a challenge. But there are a few who stood out more than some of the others. So I'm going to say Laura Dern from Big sure. Little Lies. She was having a hell of a year and it's making me a very happy Kate. So I will, I will give some love no no offense you will not be making the ensemble award big little lies because the competition was fierce but laura dern you're getting a special mention so that's my, those are my best supporting performances how about uh do you have an award for most acting right so most acting i actually sort of struggled with this year a little bit um but then i i, I came up with a really good idea i think and i was really happy with this because it's a very flashy performance in a show that's generally fairly subtle and so that's cameron Britton who plays ed kemper in mindhunter um as the loquacious uh serial killer and he's just he's really really good in this i think uh but it's a very like flashy sort of role and i really enjoy watching him play this really super charismatic uh sort of character so uh i thought it was just a really flashy part in a very unflashy show for the most part uh so yeah no i gave it to cameron Britton for um at playing ed kemper uh what about you more more on him <laughs> in a while uh i'm gonna i give it i thought of this two ways the snarky way is yeah. to give give it to Franz um, Drame. I don't know how to pronounce his name. The guy who plays Jax yeah. on Legends for yeah, sure, sure. Crisis on Earth X. That's a little snarky, kind of bitchy. The less snarky way is um, Oprah for The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks, who was terrific but had that role was it was a lot it did a lot of things she had like emotional breakdowns in the rain it's like it was kind of a really big performance but then there were also were moments that were very subtle and nuanced so like it was it was a a, like that kind of role that gets awards that is a very most acting kind of award but Mm -hmm. but it really worked for me i thought it was terrific the performance was terrific so that one is the less snarky answer. What about uh, least acting? Did you have any awards for that? I did. Um, so I kind of went with one that uh, wanted to channel sort of a naturalistic sort of performance from a, from an actor. And in this case, I feel like I didn't really feel like the person was acting. So this is why I picked Jimmy, Tatar- Jimmy Tatro, who plays Dylan on American Vandal. Um is just a very laid back sort of natural performance that almost doesn't feel like he's even really having to act a whole lot. And it it was just a if you had told me that I would like Dylan by the end of American Vandal, I would have laughed at you, but a lot of it is built into um Patro's performance. So yeah, no, him definitely least acting for me. Yeah, and that's an excellent that's an excellent pick. For me, um I wouldn't have gone that way with him, but I also specifically noted his before. It was very, like, the kids, like, my best kids 
category mm-hmm. when we get there is insane. It's like everyone. And <laughs> one of the entries I have is all of the kids from American Vandal because yeah. they're all so good. But yeah, that's that's a good call. Um, how about best voice acting? All right. So this one was actually really easy for me to pick. Um, so I went with Akira Ishida who uh voices uh the lead character um in the descending stories uh, anime that i've been raving about a little bit at the end of this year um especially in a in a show that requires uh its actors to basically tell stories in uh captivating ways um in a number of episodes his voice quality both as a young version of his character but also as an old man version of his character it's just really phenomenal and while the young man version aired last year and is thus not eligible the older gentleman version is eligible and it's really masterful it's really elegant and beautiful and so much emotion comes through in that performance that even if you don't understand japanese it's really really clear what he's aiming for and the emotion is very is very potent. So that was sort of the standout voice performance for uh, me this year. Uh, what about you? What voice acting uh, stood out to you this year? Well, I've got another pick that I'm going to be holding off for a different category because I don't want to spoil it, listeners. So I'm going to just say it's from Samurai Jack, but I'm going to use that in a different category. So instead, I'm going to give some love to Lars on Steven Universe. Oh, uh, good choice. Yeah, Matthew Moy had a, a a good like he got some stuff to do this uh this time uh with with everything on Homeworld and some of the other like leading up to the the jam sesh and everything like there there was uh some some fun stuff for him to to really dig into. So, I had a lot of fun with Lars and I wanted to throw a little love to Matthew Moy. Okay, how about best reality personality? Like the just rupaul award right but best reality personality (laughs) well there's rupaul but um basically this hat this really could only have been one person for me in someone who elicited so much emotion from me throughout the course of the year and that's taishi tamaki from terrace house aloha state (laughs) the man who was searching for a love worth dying for i still haven't seen that show and i knew exactly who you meant (laughs) and his and his sad samurai work by the pool it's just so ridiculous and he's so ridiculous and yet by the end i ended up sort of liking him which is terrible because he's the worst um but that was sort of the reality personality personality that stuck with me the most this year um and it helped that throughout that terrace house airs throughout basically the year because of how netflix releases it so it wasn't like, oh, well, we've only got 13 weeks and you're going to love Sasha. But it was just like this. I get like eight, like four, like eight week chunks of episodes, basically. So it was it was it was Tashi by a long shot. But what about you? What uh, who was you like your big reality personality this year? Well, I will say that Padma made a strong play at the end of the year with some like serious nonverbal shade in in the recent a recent episode of top chef the one with the food trucks um <laughs> her saying social media influencer was the best thing ever you can tell she's just like this is nonsense well the the guy says cute and useless that's like me and she just has this like look just mm-hmm. like this slow eye dart and uh, anyway so padma made a strong play at the end uh this is the rupaul award mm-hmm. but i kind of have to give it to uh valentina sure because i 
initially was super on board and then came to like hate Valentina by the end. Uh, whereas Pharaoh made a much stronger play later on. Um, and and I I appreciate the the journey I was taken on <laughs> with Valentina, even though I do not care for uh that persona and i don't want to watch valentina on other things i feel like the journey i went on with valentina this year was uh the most marked um the other person of course is uh leah remini but i feel and and with when scientology in the aftermath but i feel like reality personality is sounds too artificial and constructed whereas i it really like you could say least acting if she was acting for that because it just you really feel like that is her that is not some persona that is not a crafted thing that is not something that comes through in editing that just is her so i didn't feel like that was it felt sort of um dismissive of the kinds of stories that they are uncovering and and giving voice to on psychology in the aftermath to do uh, lee remini so so that's why i went with valentina but i think i feel like that is still an entertaining and strong choice um how about most novel casting i tipped my hand about this a little bit last last episode yeah. Um I didn't I couldn't really come up with one for this one that I felt was really satisfactory. Mm-hmm. Um like Groff sort of like comes into that because you normally wouldn't think of Jonathan Groff as being a FBI agent in the 70s. Um but I couldn't really come up with one that I sort of went back on my heels when I, they were just like, yeah, this is who we got for this. Um that wasn't like a cameo or a guest appearance in which you kind of go, well that that works, but something that, like a more long-term thing just didn't really fit anything in particular that I could come up with. So what about you? What you've you've already said that you've got one. So who was it? Well, uh David Spade, just the which is ah! not novel ah! casting, but just like the idea of using David Spade in that way mm-hmm. in the in Lady Dynamite season two, sure. and the performance is terrific, and it plays with our pre existing as audience members our pre existing relationship with David Spade. It, it is a guest performance, it is a cameo, but it also kind of I felt like it fit here. I also wanted to I didn't know where else to put it, so I thought I would mention it here. The you know a very forgotten show from 2017 is Lemony Snicket's A Series of Unfortunate Events, mm-hmm. but the guest cast on that show is insane. It's like a murderer's row. It's really good, and they all gave terrific performances. And do I expect to see Alfre Woodard as like a person who lives is like kind of going nuts living in a lighthouse? No, but she's great. <laughs> you know, do I expect to see Joan Cusack as a uh like a, a a spinster judge who really would like to have some children, please, um and care for them in her gorgeous library. More on that when we get to sets. No, but I'm glad that I did. So I wanted to give a little love to the casting department over at Lemony Snicket as well. That's good choices. I like that. I never got to, I never circled back to Lemony Snick, and now you're making me regret it. Thanks, Kate. Well, we'll talk about that when we get to some other awards as well. But let's move on to best ensemble, best like use of the ensemble. This is where I ran into trouble because it's like all of my favorite shows, Noel. Right. No, I refuse to pick just one, so I picked two. Go for it. <laughs> and um, so I picked Brooklyn Nine-Nine and The Good Place, which I think is the the easiest options but both of these ensembles just work so well together and are deployed so well by their respective shows that i don't really feel like there's a better there's better options than the two of these yeah they're both great but then there's also queen sugar 
Mm-hmm. And and there's also Halt and Catch Fire, where they're just kind of all leads. And then, yeah. but then you remember, oh, it's the kids too, and you're like, oh, wait, they're also great. There's there's a bunch of shows that have really great ensembles, and that's all. Or like Crazy Ex Girlfriend, where like they, they like you don't think you care about Tim, and then they give Tim a storyline, and you're like, that's amazing. Give me more Tim now. So like, yeah, I, it was it was it was tough. So those are the ones I'm I'm gonna go with Crazy Ex Girlfriend and um and Queen Sugar. But like there were there were a bunch of them, and Good Place and Brooklyn Nine Nine are both excellent ones. Where like you you kind of forget how many cast members they have until like you switch to the next storyline, and you're like, oh yeah, that's right. They also are finding wonderful things to do with these five characters. So good choice, good choice, sir. What about um most underrated ensemble? Yeah, so I went with two here again. Um, I went with Claws. Um, I feel like that uh, mm-hmm. cast hasn't gotten enough attention as just a cast overall. And But I also went with American Vandal. Um, again, because I, I don't think that either of those are necessarily getting enough attention. And they're all really sort of strong uh, players in, in both shows. So those are my two underrated ensembles. Uh, what about you? I completely concur on both of those. I'm also going to give some love to One Mississippi and Mm. The Carmichael Show. Good choices. More on them in a while. And the last one, uh, Sense8, because they're all terrific for the most part. Yeah, there isn't a weak link there. And the stuff that they have to do. And like you, your character is centered in this part of the world. You normally interact with these people. But now we're just going to randomly have an episode where you interact with the completely opposite part of the cast. And it always works and it's always terrific. So underrated ensemble. How about overrated ensemble? I couldn't come up with one. So my friend Danielle told me just to say Big Little Lies to be an annoying uh, person. <laughs> um, but I actually don't have one um, because I haven't seen enough of Big Little Lies to actually think that they're being overrated. Um, I just saw the first episode. So I actually don't have one. But Danielle's recommendation of just saying Big Little Lies to troll people, I thought was very good. So I felt it was worth mentioning. <laughs> but I don't have an actual answer. But do you have an actual answer? Um, well, first of all, Big Little Lies, I think that the ensemble nature is, I would agree that it's a little overrated, but mostly just because a few of those uh, characters are very underserved. Mm-hmm. And so when they talk about the ensemble, they're really talking about like four of the seven. Yeah. And so those four are not getting overpraised, but the other three like kind of get centered, circled in with them. And it's mostly that they didn't get enough opportunity. So um, for me, it's hard to think of an undeserving or like a overrated ensemble because there is so much great TV and because there is so much like there's so much ensemble storytelling happening right now. Um, The only thing I like the stuff I can think of, like like Handmaid's Tale, you know, where there's some clear weak links in there um, and where the show's getting so much love is really just like, that's just down to the writing. It's not down to the performances. Like I could yeah. say Game of Thrones this season, but again, that is not on the actors. That is not on the performances. Yeah. That's on the writing. So I don't really have a pick for this one either. Um, yeah. Like I could say glow, but you know, they're really there. I don't feel like I need to drag glow. Like the actors are doing a good job, even if maybe they, you know, I don't think they're as that show is as amazing as so many others do, but you yeah. know, that's where I'm at. I, 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 I enjoy the trolling, the attempted troll of yeah. big little eyes, even though I 
you know. sort of encouraged it. Uh-huh. I do not agree, but but I see where that is coming from. How about cameo? Did I steal your cameo with David Spade? You did not, um, uh, because I remembered Michael Emerson showing up for five minutes on applause. <laughs> <laughs> that was terrific. Um, as the Dixie Mafia esque. Um, hippy dippy gangster it's just it's so good and it's so brief and it's just so so lovely and i want flashbacks with that character as much as possible now uh but yeah no if that was like the easiest most immediate thing i think on this list for me was no it's michael emerson on claws um so what about you who had like some of your best cameos this year well i i just keep going back to I go back to David Spade, but because that is just that one episode. I thought of Carrie Fisher on Catastrophe, who gets like two mm-hmm. episodes. It's yeah. not, that's not a cameo, though. I Because what I think of with her this year is that really amazing moment that she has uh, with, you know, like about uh, centered around alcoholism, which shows where they were going to be headed in the next season before Carrie Fisher suddenly died. Um, so mm-hmm. I, because I always think of that moment, it feels like a cameo, but it's not, it's, it's a couple episode arcs. So that one doesn't really fit. So I, I mean, there, there were some Brooklyn Nine-Nine, you know, like the Vulture shows up for an episode, but that's not a cameo. That's a guest appearance. So yeah. um, I, I will just leave it at David Spade and okay. I hope that that is an appropriate choice, though I enjoy your choice as well, sir. Um, how about best guest appearance this one was actually a little tricky as i came up with quite a few but the one that i think i enjoyed the most um and in part because it was sort of the year of the curses was chris (laughs) pine on andrew tribeca so good it's so good and he's just (laughs) he's so deeply committed to this uh this wacky little take on like a hannibal lecter character without it making it and a lot of this credit also goes to the writers without making something that's been parodied ad nauseum since the mid 90s um feel really fresh and very funny still and so a lot of that goes to the writing but also a lot of it goes to pine who's very game for all of this plus the big reveal of how all of that worked at the end of the season Mm -hmm. or doesn't make any sense but how it works eternal internally for andrew tribeca uh is just so delightful so that this was also a really easy choice for me uh what about you who had some of your favorite guest appearances this year yeah, well, Chris Pine was on my list, and he I, I moved him down from novel casting to to guest yeah. appearance. Um, but yeah, no, he was terrific. I I don't didn't know another place to put this, so I'm putting mm-hmm. Aisha Hines, who slayed and destroyed and was amazing as Minty in Minty. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which she had multiple appearances, but that was like her episode. So mm-hmm. it doesn't really fit somewhere else. So I put it there. Um, and there, there are a few other ones. But I mean, like any of the other guest appearances that I really enjoyed do not compare with Minty. <laughs> so it's just like there's some other ones you can think of. But like, and like, like the vulture on Brooklyn Nine-Nine comes to mind. But like nothing of that. None of that compares to the eyes straight direct and in, direct into the camera at the end of Minty. So Aisha Hines gets this award from me. <laughs> um, no, it's a good choice. What about Sixth Man or Sixth Woman? All right, so Six Man was actually really easy, um, mainly because this guy was everywhere this year. Um, it was the year of Jason Manzukas, right? Uh, he was just everywhere. I'm, I'm, I'm sure he shows two zero this year. Yeah. yeah, no, so it was Manzukas all the way. I don't know that there was someone else who had a bunch of shows come out this year. Um, oh no, sorry, was... he had eleven. Yeah. I'm sorry, I have somebody who has twenty. 
Oh, but Manzoukas okay. had had a lot. Sorry, go yeah. ahead. Please continue. No, who who had twenty? Diedrich Bader. What? Diedrich Bader does a lot of voice acting. Oh, uh, so, okay. okay. So he yeah. also was in obviously Better Things, and he has his own show where he is the male lead, American Housewife. But he was on BoJack. He was on uh, Big Hero Six. He was on uh, the Tangled show. A couple movies of each of those. He was on Beep. He was on Playing House. He'd be like a bunch of stuff. He was on 20 things this year. That's just insane. That is insane. And Jessica St. Clair had 11. So she was a strong contender. But then I found, B- then I found Menzoukis had like 13 or 14. And, and Bader had 20. So yeah, but Menzoukis also crushed it. Yeah. I, I think he, he had how many did you say? I think it was 13. I have to find it in yeah. my notes. Yeah, I yeah. think it was about that many at least, yeah. Which is a lot. I kept looking at different people and I was like, Kevin Pollack was really great on several shows. Oh, five. <laughs> John Shaw was great on three shows. Like, <laughs> and then, uh, then, then I looked up those ones and I was like, well, never mind. The Year of Manzukis, And clearly, if you watch animation, Dietrich Bader uh, and Jessica St. Clair. Um, that wraps up our performance awards. So now let's listen to a little music and we'll be back with our next set of awards. Here I am hiding out now in the hole. Barely eating, barely sleeping, this shit's taking its toll. Frightening, I got bigger fish to fry now. I know I'll die now. I need a plan, I do not like this. Punishing the scripture, how he mocks me. All this blasphemy and vanity, carnality exhausts me. It'll cost me my respect in Iran. And so it's time for him to die. I do not like this man. Come on, don't be silly. It was just a book. No book. Weak now. Can't let him off the hook. What a coward. God knows that I, I do not like this man. What am I gonna do? This death sentence is the worst friggin' book review. His books like a sickness they won't quit you. Talk trash about the scripture, not a pretty picture. All I wanted was to win the Booker Prize, guys, not have them slip my throat and gouge out my eyes, my mind. I can't allow this desecration, this irritation, indignation, not while I leave this nation. Woo! It's a fissile. Don't try to call a bluff. Depress as if writing's not hard enough. Even talent, traitor, violence, God knows that I do not like this. She'll do she can for the love of one man and the millions who love from afar I'm what you've been needing it's all here in my heart's pleading let me be your Your offer is meaningless Don't give a damn about your rank The gold in your sack Well it isn't worth jack I should make you fools go up the plank Your riches would fill other pirates with glee But none of those pirates are me They're not me Sing a yo-ho, keep your jewels divine And yo-ho and your manners refined Cause even more precious than rum in a sign Is revenge, revenge, revenge And it's gonna be mine We're going next to our production awards. So, oh man, again, so many came to mind for this. Uh, What do you have for notable direction in a comedy? Right. So this was um, two two choices for me. Um, One very 
flashy, the other one not very flashy, but um, sort of instilled and captured a lot of a popular genre. So one is Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, um, with just really strong overall uh, direction for musical numbers, but also in how it treats other things, which I'm sure we'll talk about, like buttons. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also, like, American Vandal manages to stay really faithful to both a audio format of a true crime stuff in serial but also feel really attached to true crime depictions on television as well so i really appreciated how they managed to balance that while still being very funny and so both of these for me i think did really nice jobs in creating comedic beats within their respective genres of true crime and musical. So those are the two sort of standout comedy directions for me this year. Uh, what about you? Um, I wanted to, those are excellent choices, but I wanted to give some love to Rick and Morty, which had a really strong season and did a lot. Like it always does a lot with its camera and like where the frame is and jokes in the background and awareness of different genres that it's you know either uh, ripping off or paying homage to uh depending on how much respect it has for a given genre um so i wanted to 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 throw some love over to to rick and morty um then for notable direction drama i mean like Twin Peaks. I <laughs> it's so its own thing. It feels weird to include it with other things. Um yeah, and I also kind of thought of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend for drama and then I was like, wait, Kate, it's not a drama. Just parts of it were this year. Um so that's what I have for notable direction drama. Do you do you have any other options or choices for that? Yeah, so Hall the Catch Fire I think was really well directed this year. Um and I'll mention it I'll like save it a little bit for another category in this area. Um so I'll talk a little bit more about Descending Stories which had really solid direction. I talked about this a little bit when I when we checked in with our resolutions, but it's use of shot reverse shot on the same character to demonstrate different characters within the stories they're telling uh is really smartly done and it it really enlivens a lot of what could be a very stale sort of uh storytelling but through its use of um where they're framing everything and how they're framing it um it it really makes it stand out and it's it, it's sort of rare that i can say yeah no this half hour anime was really dramatic because of the direction i don't get to say that a lot um <laughs> so i wanted to make sure i had an opportunity to say that here so descending stories and halt and catch fire both had really terrific drama direction this year uh what about your cinematography or do you have a long take this year that really stood out to you there actually were several okay. long takes this year um where we just like well, I mean, also Twin Peaks, you might just have a camera just they, there was one point where the camera just stays on them as they're driving a car silently for like five minutes. No cuts. Five minutes of silence. Like that never happens on TV. So that like, again, Twin Peaks could come up for pretty much all these production categories. Um, but for cinematography, I wanted to specifically shout out um, uh, Underground yeah. and the episode, I think it was Ake. Right. The one mm-hmm. with with Ernestine, where we watch her and as she walk in, in the water. Um, there are several other episodes that had really striking visuals as well. So it was one of the real strengths of Underground. But um, that's why I, I, the first things I went to when I thought about this was Hall and Catch Fire, which we've already talked about that a lot of Hall and Catch Fire and Underground. 
Call and Catch Fire was on mine again. Just uh, the cinematography this year was really special. But I also really appreciated the cinematography work that was done for Minty, which you already mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, for an episode that's basically just a large, uh, long lecture, um, the fact that it's a visually interesting, and I sort of talked about this when we discussed Minty, it's uh, camera play down from the rafters slowly down as she's like winding down her story is still really powerful and really purposeful. And in a space and time when cinematography uh, tends to be flashy uh, to for no apparent reason, sometimes to have really meaningfully executed cinematography is really important and really special to see. So I was really happy with that. What about best costume? Um, so this was actually sort of a weird choice for me. Um, <laughs> there's sort of the obvious pick of like two sort of very different period pieces in terms of that I watched, including Poldock and Feud, mm-hmm. um, uh, story of Betty and Joan. Um, both of those, especially just all of Hope Davis's costumes as Hetty. Oh, so good. But um, I really liked the costuming, especially for the future stuff in Lady Dynamite. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just really fun, really delightful from basically the um, orange power jackets to just its depiction of like their future costumes are just so delightfully low rent. But all of its contemporary costuming, I think, is also really, really good for those characters in those particular um, points within their lives, within this stuff. And a lot of the issue is that, like, contemporary costuming doesn't get enough attention, so I'm always, like, looking for good ways to highlight it. Lady Dynamite just combines these two things for me really, really nicely. Uh, So what about you? Uh, What were some of your favorite costuming choices this year? There's so many, Null. I know! There's so many. Like, Evan... (laughs) was Tom Cruise from Cocktail this year. That was the thing that happened on Fresh Off the Boat. And uh, lest we forget Danny's amazing dragon coat, which I know you don't watch Game of Thrones, but trust me, this coat was just like breathtaking, absolutely gorgeous. You talk about period pieces, we've got the ones you mentioned, but we also have uh, Mrs. Ma- Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. We also have Glow, terrific period costuming in both of those. Um, but then there's Lido's footy pajamas on Sense8. I mean, Am I not going to mention Lido's footy pajamas? But then when I think, okay, if I have to talk about all best costume, I think I have to give it to a co- – if there is one, I think I need to give it to a costume that also – that does all – that just is great, but also services the character and the plot and the story and the emotion. And so I think if I have to pick up best costume, I love all of those ones. And there's actually several more that I'm just not going to even mention because I, I have too many notes. but. The 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 quinceanera suit, the lady suit, and one Good day choice. at a time, and it's just like you see it. She comes in, and there, there's the whole dance sequence, and it's amazing. And you just like you see it, and you just like start tearing up thinking about what that means for her relationship with her grandmother. And it's absolutely gorgeous and beautiful, and it's a sweet looking suit too. So, <laughs> Lido's footy pajamas and Danny's dragon coat, and so many other things, but really elena's quinceanera suit okay what about uh best set design uh so this was also um halt and catch fire and crazy ex-girlfriend for me um in part because crazy ex-girlfriend really knows how to use its standing sets in ways that uh, prevent them from being um too stale but also are incorporating them into the musical numbers really nicely so even if it's just a putting a door there 
in the middle of the office during the buzzing from the bathroom while Tim's singing about it in the office. Everything comes together really, really nicely through that set design. And that's just, it shows a great deal of economy in terms of how they're using their sets to make sure that they don't have to keep making a lot of sets. But then there's also that just ridiculous Pasadena, Covina, um, eyes wide shut ball that they have, which is just curtains everywhere. <laughs> And But I really like that because, again, it's the show prioritizing and showing its budget, but also sort of poking fun at the fact that there's an underground secret society of West Covina that just would think that this is very cool and very, very edgy. And it's not. So I, I really appreciated how that gets executed. But Hold and Catch Fire is just that use of that office space, but then... um Donna's house and also Gordon's house were, and then uh, Joe's apartment were all really, really great spaces this year, and also Cameron's um, airstream. But all the different sorts of um, spaces that they had for each of the characters really this year uh, felt really connected to what these characters were sort of experiencing and going through this particular year. So I really appreciated how the space reflected the characters and Hold and Catch Fire did a really nice job of playing that up without necessarily hitting you over the head with it, I thought. So those were like my two choices for uh, set design. Uh, what about you? Well, if you're going to go most set design, like the award shows tend to go, then you have to go Lemony Snicket, uh, which mm-hmm. had, again, just gorgeous to look at, uh, whimsical, crazy out there, um, very appropriate sets for the tone of the show and for the like the the storybook kind of element to to that that part of the show. Everything is really extreme. Like the rickety house is totally about to fall into the ocean. <laughs> you know, like it look it really looks like a death trap <laughs> or the herpeta uh, the herpetarium or whatever the 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 snake place for for the asif manvi episode like again absolutely gorgeous so so in a most uh i definitely got to mention the snicket uh, but i also wanted to mention um the a, a couple specific ones so uh danger and eggs the patrick friendly house the very safe house just the, the design of that i loved it i thought it was gorgeous um and the print shop for outlander was such a beautiful set and and so like tangible like it, you could see them just lovingly place placing every piece of paper up there to, to get the right effect to have it make sense because the paper needs to dry but also just to create this curtain of uh of of like this loving nod to the book readers and to literary um uh, appreciation and, and the power of words because of course that's what jamie is doing at that point is being a printer and being a dissident through words uh, as opposed to being a man of, of physical action as he so often is um so so that set was absolutely gorgeous as well then if there's one more that i'll mention um it is the <laughs> the other world from Twin Peaks, you've got it's just so strange, but it all it all kind of fits with the the vibe of Twin Peaks. Um, we we see Kyle MacLachlan, I guess uh, Cooper, maybe uh, it's hard to you know, Kyle MacLachlan go through several different bizarre and very strange spaces um, over the course of the season. Um, obviously, they had to design the tea kettle David Bowie turned into. <laughs> like, There's just a lot of really out there stuff, but it managed to feel old and new and different and familiar all at the same time. So 
some some more love for Twin Peaks this year. Uh, let's go to best hair. Are we honorable mentioning Drag Race, or is that your pick? Uh, I, no, that was sort of my pick. Actually, was Drag okay. Race. Um, just I, and I think that works. I think that's fair. Um, I think hair and makeup for me basically were both just Drag Race and also Feud. Mm-hmm. Um, the in terms of they're used very differently for very different ends, but I think that they both tell us a great deal about both the characters, but also the queens that are putting together on, on uh, RuPaul. So those were, those were my two picks for this. Yeah. I had, I had specifically the finale designs, costuming and hair and makeup Mm -hmm. um, from, from drag race. Also, again, I'm going to mention, um, uh, Lemony Snicket, because it's again very whimsical and kind of creative out there, kind of hair and makeup to go with the costuming. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, it feels, yes, there are other shows that did really interesting, fun things with the hair and makeup, but like, let's be honest, guys, this is, this is about <laughs> drag race. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there anything else, any other shows you want to mention for makeup? Uh, no, no. Okay. Let's move on then to editing. Right, so this was actually tricky, and I think my choice is actually better described as a special effect necessarily than editing. Um, But because it all flows together so well that I'm sure there's a degree of editing involved. And that's the cluster fight in Sense8. More on that when we get to fight scenes. (laughs) Right, yeah, no, but this I think is also just a really, really solidly executed sense of editing in terms that just from a special effects standpoint, I still don't know how they did this and I need to look into it, but it's definitely a very well edited sequence, I think. Uh, So, but what else did you have for editing? Well, I mean, yeah, I think that's just, it's it's amazing. Um, I'm also going to go to The Good Place. Give the good places mm-hmm. some love for editing because that show is so tight and uh, w- you know, when it's at its peak and so much about comedy is in the editing. So I wanted to specifically shout them out because that show just keeps moving and it keeps like they, they know when to take time for re- the reaction shots. The actors are giving them so much to work with, but they never let it slow down. They never overindulge. Uh, with mm-hmm. because they have such so much to work with with that ensemble they they never linger longer than they should <laughs> the development season four um and and that is part of why the good place has been so successful this first and, and beginning of second year um our last award for production is most inventive animation what do you have Right, so I'm sort of cheating since this was a film that came out in 2016 but aired as part of Independent Lens this year, and that's uh, the film Tower, which is about the um, 1966 shootings at uh, UT Austin. And this is a film that uh, Voy can't do like actual historical reenactments, so they do it all through animation. Um, And even they have the folks... Uh, giving testimonials and witness discussions, but they're all animated to look like their their older selves while they're talking. So it has this sort of like immediacy to it because of the style of the film. And it's very powerful to watch it. And in part, in no small part, because of how it's animated and the fact that it is animated and their use of color throughout that. Um, it really makes it stand out. Um, so, but also for something that isn't cheating, the did air this year, um, ACA 13 Territory Inspection um, Department, which is an anime that I watched as part of my resolutions, they had a really beautiful um, eighth episode called The Princess Who Spreads Her Wings and The Friend Who Had a Duty, which 
which is very much about uh, flashbacks and establishing a bunch of narrative that uh, the main character is uh, Jean has learned. But this episode in particular just looks really gorgeous. Um, their use of color is really distinct from the other um, uh, episodes in this in the series. And it creates a very dreamlike quality, which is really potent when you're doing a flashback like this without um, making it feel like just another episode. So both of those, I think, stood out to me as really strong and inventive uses of animation this year uh, that I got to see on television. Uh, What about you? What were some of your inventive animation moments? Well, I feel really boring. I just went <laughs> Adventures in Light Distortion from Steven no, Universe. No, that's a really good choice. Which was, you know, wasn't my favorite episode um, just because I didn't connect with it as much. But the the reason was because I, I, I'm not as into, like, animation styles and, and things. And as I know, for example, you are, Noel. Yeah. Uh, so you, you loved that episode because of the animation. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, no, that, that was interesting. I wanted more character, <laughs> but, but it did stick in my mind strongly because of the, the animation. So I will give it to them. Also nod to Adventure Time, which always does some creative things with its animation. But really for me, it was Adventures in, in Light Distortion for Steven Universe. Now we're going to go over to our sequence awards so we're mostly just going to talk about sense8 here but we're going to yeah. talk about some other things too no, so we're just going to talk about sense8 <laughs> <laughs> best action set piece is the sense8 fight in you yeah. want a war right like yeah. th- that's yeah. it like it that's destroyed it. everything else no there wasn't year. anything else yeah <laughs> like the the fight coordinator and choreographer and fight designer uh for Sense8 is uh, Joshua Groth and the director of that episode is Alana Wachowski and Urchowski and uh, she killed it. He killed it. Uh, their collaboration killed it. It was amazing. Um, there were other action set pieces, but they don't matter because Sense8 had an amazing finale. Um, how about best stunts series? So not just one, like, one set piece, but overall. Yeah, no, it's still, um, the Sensei stunt work is just phenomenal. I mean, you think about the sort of long fights that, especially that you put, they, that they put Sun through, um, that you, there's not really another choice for me. Like, it requires so much work to make sure all of this works, or that crazy, um, yeah, no, you want a war. It's just, it's so good, and all the stunt work that's necessary to make all of that work. Um, including down to chases through Korea and cars and everything. I mean, that's a lot of work and that requires a lot of stunt people doing what they do best. And so it's still sense eight for me. Did you have another uh, choice for this? I mean, like honorable mention, like way lower to Crisis on Earth X. There were a number yeah. of set pieces and they were all very good. Yeah. Uh, they're all, you know, they're different levels of successful uh, glow. Did they did a very uh-huh. good job with their wrestling choreography and uh, making us buy as the as the wrestlers like progressed in their abilities. Like there's some other ones, but no, just like Sensei crushed it. Like yeah. it's like Arrow. Oh, that's cute. Did you watch Sensei? <laughs> <laughs> Granted, they had way more money probably on Sensei and more, oh, more time. No, they, have, they have so much money on Sensei. <laughs> 
but it's like, why there's not, not any more episodes is that they had too much money apparently. yeah yeah uh, how about best standalone fight scene did you have anything else besides sense eight no i did not and i didn't even pick like a standalone fight scene i just wrote sense eight under this and just like <laughs> just pick one guys just, just pick one do everything you want- with doing buy. <laughs> yeah do you want do you just want that then you're good you're set we're good <laughs> how about the double sense eight fight at the at the at, um was it lunch right in in all I want now right now is is one more bullet yes yeah. the two clusters fight each other that was mm-hmm. a good another good one um the best crisis on earth x fight was the supergirl wedding fight so mm-hmm. some love uh, to fight choreographer michael lewison and director larry tang for that but no it's sensate okay let's move right along uh best dream sequence I didn't have the one for this, but I'm I'm curious if um all of Twin Peaks the Return counts as a dream sequence or not. I thought about that and decided that was probably gonna get boring. So instead <laughs> I have the poker game from the feud finale I thought was absolutely lovely. Oh, nice choice, nice choice. Um Steen talking to Sam and Pearly May on Underground, which mm-hmm. is not really a dream, but you know, she's super drunk, so I'm gonna count it yeah. there. Um also Gordon seeing his life. Um, isn't a dream, but again, it felt like that was the closest place to put it. Yeah. So I thought those were all really affecting and really uh, memorable and uh, very tied in with what, like the themes of those shows. So I wanted to mm-hmm. mention them. How about best montage? This one, they oh, I had two picks. Yeah, no, let's hear them. Because um, as always, I always struggle to remember a good montage. Um, mm-hmm. And I couldn't come up with one for this. I don't think I came up with one last year. I just yeah. need to make a note to myself of like, no, write down every single montage that you see ever. <laughs> um, and just list it next at the end of the year. So uh, what were your montages that worked really well for you? One is definitely a cheat, and it's the third episode of the season of The Good Place, where the, the gang no, keeps finding no, you out. Know what? I, I think th- I think that qualifies as a montage, and I'm going to steal it and say that one was mine. Um, but no, that that definitely counts as a montage of like pigs getting angry, <laughs> like oh man, Jason figured it. Oh, this is real low. Um, so yeah, the the them figuring out the different sequences of them figuring out. I mean, they've used that a few times this season, uh, in season yeah. two, I should say, of The Good Place. But that's specifically that episode. Also, Midge working up her tight 10, I thought yeah. was a really effective montage. It showed, it gave us so much process into what it is to be a stand-up comedian, or at least what it is for Midge on Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. And it showed her getting a lot better. It showed different options that were all funny, but as like what it is to be a stand-up comedian, where you have to just keep working and working your set to figure out what audiences are going to respond to and and how to, you know, like go forward with your bit that you're building. So uh, Midge working up her tight 10 for Marvelous Mrs. Maisel was the other one I went with there. How about dance sequences? Um, Dance sequence. um, I feel like it's just sort of the opening number for um, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend of Where's Rebecca Bunch. Mm-hmm. Um, just from needing everyone to sort of be in place, plus the costuming and everything. I really, really enjoyed a lot of that. But I also enjoyed it was my very first penis. And <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't a very complex dance sequence, but it was a dance sequence that worked really well for that particular number. And I really liked, again, like the mise-en-scene of that whole number as well. But it's Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Just mm-hmm. pick a dance sequence, really, for me, and I'll probably be fairly happy with it. Uh, what about you? 
Um, I have some love for Audrey dancing, um, Sherilyn Fenn on Twin Peaks. And it, okay. she's just swaying, but it's just so affecting, so powerful. It's just this this callback, this reflection on time and motion and age and death and life and all these. It's, it's all of that with just being her dancing, just like yeah. swaying in place. And it still manages to do all that. Sherilyn Fenn, uh, fabulous. Um, and just to capture the audience so strongly with a sway that, oof, that, that is stage presence and charisma right there. Uh, also the quinceanera, quinces, uh, one day at a time and the little coffee dance too. When, uh, <laughs> Penelope and Lydia are making their coffee in the morning. I like that. I want to give that a shout out. Uh, and in the, the Voyeurs episode of Room 104, which was their oh, dance oh, episode. I can't believe that. Yeah, no, that's a really good choice, too. So, the, yes, there's there's Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, but I was like, Noel's going to get that, have that covered. So that, those are the ones that I went with. Um, for best choreography, I just have here Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't know that there's a, another choice for you to pick for that. But, yeah, no, it's Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. <laughs> I also shout out to the big dance number from Duet, from The Flash. Uh, mm-hmm. Put a little love in your heart. I thought that was lovely. So fitting, so appropriate for the um, uh, to set the stage for for that set of. I mean, I was all that was also the is that kind of a dream sequence. I'm just gonna say no because it's too complicated. <laughs> um, uh, but I thought that was a well produced number and very much in the style of what they were going for and and fun and and frothy and just in the right length of time too, like just very. A uh, good kickoff to the next chunk of that episode. So wanted to mention that. So that wraps up our sequences. Time for another break. Noel, listen to some more music. Perhaps a little crazy ex-girlfriend. And we'll be right back with our next set of awards. Velvet, I can wish you for the color of your coat And fortune smiling all along your way But more I cannot wish you than to wish you find your love Your own true love this day Mansions, I can wish you seven footmen all in red And corn cards upon a silver tray But more I cannot wish you than to wish you find your love Your own true love this day Standing there, staring at you, full of the bloom of you. Standing there, gazing at you, with a sheep's eye and a licorice too. Put a little love in your heart. Put a little love, put a little love. Put a 
everyone. I wanted to chime in here quickly with a thank you to all of the lovely people who have come on and guested on the Televerse this year in, in 2017. Um, we were very pleased to be joined by Mo Ryan, by Charlotte Howell, by Caroline Sida and Dr. Elizabeth Bridges, Angelica Jade Bastien, Allison Shoemaker, Zach Handlin, and uh, the fabulous duo of, of Dennis Perkins and Emily L. Stevens, even though we didn't get them on the same episode this year. Goals for 2017. Um, but anyways, thank you all for coming on the show. We also were joined this year uh, by Emma Fraser. Um, I wrote, I reached out to the previous guests from this year and invited them to send in an audio clip if they would like talking about some of their favorite things from the year. Um, and so here's Emma with some of her picks for the year's best costumes. Hi, Kate, Noel, and Talvis listeners. Uh, Emma Fraser here from TV8, My Wardrobe, and other places. Here to quickly discuss what I loved about TV this year and of course it's going to be costumes there were a couple of standouts that just blew my mind including the Audrey Hepburn costumes on Big Little Lies which somehow managed to surpass all expectations particularly uh, Laura Dern as Renata in the My Fair Lady Get Up which just went from something she definitely didn't have in her closet and she would have definitely had made but when a woman who wears a fringe sweater for a massive fight that's what you kind of expect uh also on the holy shit scale there was Daenerys in her winter ready dragon coat it's a good job she packed for uh having to rescue the bozos up on the ice um if only Ikea sold uh those like the rugs that are made for the night's watch um other ones that I just want to quickly mention as Laura Dern again in Twin Peaks everything Diane wore was just incredible those leopard prints the red shoes that she had on just basically everything Laura Dern this year um Star Wars, of course, even though it's not TV. Um, and then the other major one that I want to mention is the Batsuit from Outlander that Claire made to wear back in the 17th century Scotland destination. When she came back through the science, she made sure it had plenty of pockets and every woman knows that a dress with pockets is what you need. Um, and it served her well, seeing as she's been wearing it for the whole of the second half of the season, uh, including getting shipwrecked. Uh, you got to be prepared. Um, but yeah, that's been some of my favorites this year and I'm excited to see what 2018 is going to bring, particularly with the assassination of Gianni Versace. I think we're going to get some excellent costumes from that. And uh, yeah, happy new year, guys. See you soon. Bye. Some time to think by my 
myself, I pour another drink. So many thoughts keep running through my head. I can't stay here, I hit the club instead. I'm popping bottles just to clear my mind. Bitches up for me and they looking fine. We doing lines, they wanna go all night. But deep inside there's something still ain't right. So then I go to the zoo. Just kinda wander around the zoo. Got the monkeys. Their eyes look like my eyes. It's so relaxing at the zoo. Saying what's up to kangaroos. My boys awake as they nocturnal. I really, really like the zoo. It's time for our character awards, Noel. I'm very excited about this category. Uh, I feel like we're going to have some crossover here. Yeah, no, we probably are. Yeah. And is the first part of that crossover, best new characters, uh, Felicia from One Mississippi. It's Felicia from One Mississippi. Cheryl Lee Ralph. She's so good. She's very good. I have a couple others. Do you have any others? Um, I only have like a worst new character because we haven't really been doing any worsts this year, which I feel really good about. Yeah. But in like this character category, I actually have like a couple of worsts. And um, it's Billy from Stranger Things. Mm -hmm. And he's just the worst. He's bad. He's he's very bad. I don't mean that just as a character. I mean, just as a actual character that was conceived and implanted in this show. He's just bad. And he's supposed to be terrible on the show, but he's just a terrible character that is introduced into this universe. And it's just very, very frustrating to see that character here. So, yeah, not a great new character, but it's okay because Felicia makes up for all other sins. Felicia is amazing and we love her and I look forward to her in season three of One Mississippi. Um I wanted to also give some love for Philip on Danger and Eggs because I also really mm-hmm. love Dee Dee, but I feel like that's a more standard yeah. character. Yeah, no, it's Philip's so special. Yeah, um, voiced by Eric Noble. And then also Bill Potts on Doctor Who, uh, played by Pearl Mackey. Uh, that was a fabulous character. Really enjoyed her uh, throughout the season. Enjoyed the performance. And then on top of that, you have the context of her being the first queer woman of color on the show. Uh, the character being that. And one of the very few uh, people of color, women of color on show, on the show, let alone the first queer companion. So, or openly queer companion, I should say. Um, so yeah, terrific performance, terrific character and a great bit of representation in a show that sorely needs it. Um, so yeah, wanted to mention her as well. I didn't do a worst for that, but I should have, cause you're right. There were some contenders, but I think Billy is like the best you're going to do there. Yeah. Yeah. How about best villain? Um, so before that, I want to mention the worst villain of the mm-hmm. year. Um, and that was Electra slash the hand. <laughs> <laughs> so bad. Just so bad. Yeah. And 
so there was really no one else to mention. Like, I wanted to find a way to mention Sigourney Weaver at some point in this, but I didn't want to make, I didn't want to be mean to Sigourney Weaver because she's amazing. Like, um, missed so opportunity. Just, if we have a category for missed opportunity, yeah. how do you waste Sigourney Weaver? Come on. Right. The defenders found a way by putting her in with the hand. You don't even um, ever so, throw a punch. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it's the hand on Electra. They're just terrible villains. Um, but. George Walleggen from Poldark is such a wonderful old school villain of just terribleness. He's he's just he's awful. He's mean to small children, he's mean to babies, he's mean to women, he's mean to animals. He's just he's mean to everyone, Kate. And the actor who plays him gives it such charisma that you, he's the he's the villain that you love to hate. And there's no one better to hate than George Warlegan and his his desperate climb up the social ladder um, of politics and standing within the county and the country by the end of the season. Um, it's just he's so terrible and he's so, so mean to everyone. That, and he cancels an old lady's birthday party, Kate. <laughs> he's the worst. Um, so, yeah, no, it's George Warlegan is probably like the best villain that I just re- deeply engaged in this year. Um, what about you? Who was your uh, who, who? What villain stood out to you this year? Now, I have several villains here. Ranging okay. the going the spectrum from terrifying to very silly. None of them like I still feel like the the best villain in quite a while it remains the purple man from yeah. Jessica Jones season one. Uh so none of these are that high. But I liked uh well very silly Miss Lint from the tick, <laughs> right? Just so silly, but but a lot of fun. And Martinez really just makes that character work. Um mm-hmm. also uh I like the show and this performance much more than you. I thought Aubrey Plaza was terrific as as Lenny in Legion. It was an excellent antagonist, especially when we're inside, you know, inside the mind and 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 Lenny's in control and trying to like flee and everything. I thought that was uh, made for a really terrific villain. She made uh, the performance made for a really terrific villain. Uh, also, only a villain for a couple episodes, but what a villain, Michael uh, from The Good Place, Ted Danson. <laughs> And Aku, Greg Baldwin, you know, voicing in the style of of Mako. Uh, So Aku was a great villain this year. No, those are really good choices. I like Michael. It's weird that I didn't actually think of Michael as an antagonist um, for them, Uh, especially I think season two sort of like made me remember, um, made me forget. Yeah. As he's sort of like trying to refigure that. But that's a really good choice. I like that a lot. Okay. I have so many choices for best and worst parents. I do. And the th- there's a thread here. There's a theme. And the theme is good moms and terrible dads, with ah, one exception. Ah. I'm curious how much crossover we have. Did you have any themes in best and worst parents? Or did you only have best? Uh, no, actually, I only had worst for this. Oh, um, sir. Uh, you did not have John Cho as Andy <laughs> from The Exorcist. I guess he does try to kill his family, but he was possessed he- at the time. It wasn't his fault. He does try to kill his family, Kate. That's not great. But he's not great. That's not Andy, though. <laughs> no, that's I know it's not Andy. No, Andy's a really good choice. Um, for whatever reason, the Exorcist just didn't enter my brain. Um, uh, for like a lot of this, and now I'm regretting that entirely. Um, but uh, Elizabeth and George Warlegan from Poldark are just really terrible parents. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, I mean, George is like really terrible, and Elizabeth is moderately terrible. Um, in that she allows George just to run roughshod. Um, but also, Kate, we're really 
Where are the parents on American Vandal? Where are they? <laughs> I thought they of seem the mom. very absent. Yeah. I thought of the one mom. Uh, yeah, you know, there's the one Dylan's mom. mom, who's very yeah. invested and trying her best. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. They're not really yeah. very present. Uh, and so <laughs> who else that did you seems have? like a failure. We need to talk about the parents on American Vandal. No. Um, and then, like, Dylan's girlfriend's parents are sort of around, too, but... Um, yeah, no, they're just, they're not present. And that seems really weird to me. Um, and I, I worry about what that means for those kids that their parents just aren't present anymore. Um, but tell me about all your great choices for this, because you were really, you, I know that you always like pay really close attention to this. Okay, so I'm gonna start with worst so we can cleanse the palate with best. So mm-hmm. um it was a year for bad dads. So we had uh Marcel, <laughs> RuPaul <laughs> on Broad City, uh terrible father. Uh Xander on Better Things, just a useless piece of shit of a dad, uh played by Matthew Glau uh Glau. Uh Victor, James Martinez on one day at a time. Like, just just go away. And don't you ever come back and hurt our precious little Elena. Uh, and like you can come back when she's mature enough to deal with the amount of a father you are able to be. And until then, get get the fuck out. I have strong feelings about Victor. Um, also, in a more comedic note, J.R. James Cromwell on the detour. <laughs> not a good father. No, um, not, not a good father. Or grandfather. Um, for good parenting, obviously, there's Andy from The Exorcist. Um, and I also had just, just great mom. Sam, Pamela Adlin on Better Things mm-hmm. is a terrific. She's doing her best. She's not always great as far as, like, following parenting books, but she is a wonderful mother. Um, Cassie on Survivor's Remorse, uh, the the matriarch of that family uh, has done a terrific job and also knows when to stop parenting because her, her, her children are grown people or they're supposed to be. So uh, I really enjoy her parenting style. That's uh, uh, Cassie played by Tatina Arnold. Um, Penelope and Lydia, Justina Machado and Rita Marino on One Day at a Time. And also not actually a mom, but serving the matriarchal role desna niecy nash on claws oh nice that's a good choice too absolutely she's very she's very much the mom yeah polly gets a little bit of momming too but not so much so maybe next year but we'll see how about like again i have too many picks for kids i I had Ah. to do like a little star down to a lower part of the page so i would have Mm -hmm. space for more kids do you have any worst kids uh, I have the best and worst kids are sort of combined for me um, mm-hmm. as like a group. And it's the teens from American Vandal are just the best and the worst. <laughs> um, they're all they're so teeny uh, is the thing is like they're so delightfully teenagers that they're both the best and the worst. Um, but also like um, and with an E, um, Anne Shirley is just so lovely. And that depiction that we get of her in Anne with an E is really, really great. Amy Beth McNulty, she killed it. She does. And so, like, she's probably the best kid, I think, that I watched this year. Um, That was, like, fresh and new, which I think gets a... I always gets a little um, weight when I'm coming up with, like, the best character stuff. Um, But yeah, those... I think those were, like, my two top choices this year. Uh, What about you? Regale me with your lists. Okay, so worst kids, it's not his fault. He's so broken and he didn't do this to himself, but also he's made some bad choices that have led it led him here. Tuan, uh, for, Tuan from uh the Americans, Ivan Mock is the actor, uh, who like sells out and causes a kid to nearly kill himself because it's part of his spying and like, like 
super intense. But the character is supposed to be, you know, very damaged. So excellent part of the show. But no, that's not what you want for your... It's a cautionary tale for, for Elizabeth and Philip. Um, but for best, I mean, there's so many. There's I have Lemony Snicket's uh, Violet Kloss and, and Sunny. The trio are super fun. Melina uh, Weissman, Lewis Hines, and Presley Smith. Micah from Queen Sugar. Nicholas L. Ash had a great season. Joni and Haley from uh, Halt and Catch Fire. Catherine Newton and Susanna uh, Skaggs. Uh, Steve, babysitter Steve <laughs> from Stranger Things, Joe Carey. I tried to leave them off, but they're just so good. The Belters are just so good. <laughs> Dan Mintz, Eugene Merman, and Kristen Shaw, and Paige from the Americans, uh, Holly Taylor. The, the, like all of these performances, e- even my worst kid, amazing performances, really interesting, very relatable, and, and, uh, and very honest, while also being very funny at times and very, uh, sincere at times. So a lot of really great kids on TV right now. Um, okay. Our next category here, best, on screen death so many there was a lot of death on tv this year and there was but a lot of like the ones that hit me the hardest weren't on screen for one of them we need to give a trigger warning so before we get there we're there's one i we need to give a trigger warning for so should we do that one first yeah let's go ahead a quick trigger warning um one of the deaths we're about to discuss here is uh, something that is can be very painful and, and quite triggering so if you are someone who is triggered by a uh, discussion of of death or loss or self-harm then you may want to skip ahead about 30 seconds um from when we you know say go uh so to just skip right over that section and get the rest of our discussion in this topic is much more lighthearted um but just something to be aware of we'll start that 30 seconds now so one of the deaths we have to certainly talk about uh this year is 13 reasons why and hannah um catherine langford is amazing in this episode and they they don't shy away and they treat that moment with the seriousness and the gravity it deserves it's an amazing performance it's hard to watch and it's just as difficult and unromantic as it needs to be so it truly painful i have it for best and for worst um (laughs) for this category specifically for that reason but uh certainly had to be in the conversation but let's. How about some other? What are some of the other memorable deaths from this TV year and all? Well, this was tricky because, like, um, a lot of like the deaths that really hit me didn't actually occur like on screen this year for me. So, like, Gordon wasn't on screen, mm-hmm. and so that was like deeply frustrating. And I actually had to go through like a lot of like these are the characters we lost this year. And I just went, I don't watch most of these shows. And (laughs) then it's just like, oh, well, Martin Stein died and H.R. Wells died. But I I was more moved by, like, the ramifications and the responses to that than necessarily, like, their representation of the the actual death, um, which was tough. But I think, like, the best choice I can do is Martin Stein um, on Legends of Tomorrow. And a lot of that is just Victor Garber carrying a lot of that weight, too um so i guess that's my choice um uh, apart from what we just previously mentioned uh but what about you uh who who stood out for your on-screen deaths this year 
Okay, for like actual heartfelt ones, uh, Mrs. S, Maria Doyle Kennedy, uh, what a way to to go out on Orphan Black if they were going to do that, which they were. So it wasn't a surprise. Uh, like you said, Gordon is sort of off screen, right? We see yeah. leading up, but not the actual death. Uh, he's off screen. Lars on Steven Universe <laughs> died, but got better. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, he got better. <laughs> but how do you not have Michael? Brett Deer? Um, because that also wasn't technically on screen. We saw him fall over and die in the at the end of his test. Dude, that counts. No, he's, he wasn't dead then yet. He was just in, he wasn't dead yet. <laughs> no, he, that, that is not screen death. That counts. Uh, also excellent on screen death is the oh so satisfying death of Littlefinger if, even if the way we got there was stupid on Game of Thrones um, <laughs> another really impactful surprisingly impactful death because I legit did not think it was happening until like the next season was Viserion one of Danny's dragons uh, like it's just like you see it happening and you're like wait are they really doing this I guess there really only is one season left so I guess they but like I was amazed how impacted I was by that uh considering i had a quite a distance you know emotional distance when i was watching a lot of this season of game of thrones which is why it hasn't come up more at our best up here but there's also two kind of comedic ones i want to mention uh grandma francis from uh our carmichael show marla mm-hmm. gibbs uh and that whole episode but like you know uh then kurt on <laughs> people of earth drew nelson comes down to earth immediately hit by a car again <laughs> immediately dead again uh, i thought that was hilarious i was assuming he's dead i i would guess i haven't watched um that in a while okay so i yeah then as far as worth on screen death i have i've got two more and one is uh not a cheat and it's the worst because it didn't happen and it should have happened and then i wouldn't have to watch a stupid face anymore and that's danny rand is still alive why is danny <laughs> rand still alive i don't want danny rand to still be alive can't danny rand be dead please nope. um and also the doctor uh both the david bradley first doctor and peter capaldi 12th doctor like seriously guys like that's what you do for the regeneration like i more on this next year <laughs> our next episode <laughs> when i talk about the doctor who christmas special but they uh yeah that was not a well-written episode. And the and that the last words for the most recent doctor are like this long lecture after he's finally starting to regenerate after an entire episode where he has been dying with, with no seeming effects because they wanted to add an extra episode without actually regenerating the doctor yet, even though we saw him start to regenerate the last episode. It's a whole thing. I should stop on this now or else I'll just keep ranting. But it was it was stupid. It was not a good regeneration and the actor deserved better. So that's where I will leave that. Badass award. First, a question. It occurred yeah. to me. I did not realize this, but I think for myself, badass has become a, a very gendered term. I mm-hmm. only think of women as badasses. <laughs> Is that just me? Uh- no, like my my well, like my my two choices for this were both of the women from Sweet Vicious, mm-hmm. and then the Sense Eight Cluster. Mm-hmm. Those were like the only two choices that even like came into my brain. So those were like the first two, the top two that I put in there were these two groups. Uh, and I I think a lot of it, at least with both of these choices, have to do with how both the women in Sweet Vicious, but also the cluster support and care about and worry about one another while still 
being in our traditional sort of they kick ass sort of badass mode. And so those were like the, those were the reasons that I picked them is that there's this high degree of empathy between these characters, but also they do really cool shit. (laughs) (laughs) They do. It's very true. Um, I have two, I, at first I, it was very clear cut for me. One Uh set of characters of of people picture that depicted in TV this year were definitely far and above the winners, and I still feel like that. And that is the women of the keepers. So Gemma mm-hmm. Hoskins and Abby Fitzgerald Schaub, um, as well, which are the who are the two women that are spearheading this investigation into what happened to Sister Catherine. Um, then, but there's also or sister, sorry, Sister Kathy. Then there's also Jane Doe and Jane Rowe. So Jean Hardigan uh, Wainer and Teresa Lancaster, um, who come forward and um, speak about what happened to them and press charges. And so that the just the bravery and the grit and the the strength of character and of these women is just amazing. The director of The Keepers, Ryan White, obviously deserves some credit for um, finding out about and finding the story and and telling it but it's it's all about these women and then i also want to just take a nod tip of the hat to l reeve the journalist for vice which more on vice and that whole crap of of that workplace in everything that's coming out about that what that workplace is like again next year but but the the journalist who did the charlottesville race and terror episode for vice tonight Mm -hmm. um i can't imagine standing with the those white supremacist racist supremacist nazis and asking them questions and actually like being able to do that the way that she does that is amazing to me so um i wanted to give her a shout out as well yeah no that's a really good choice i um i didn't i completely forgotten the vice thing this is what happens when you do way too much research and not enough time actually picking your choices. You remember all the shows that you watch and then you forget which categories you're going to use it for. Go team. Um, let's go on to our, our last two for this category. Characters we want more of and and actors we want more of. I had one pick for character I want more of. I'm curious if we have the same pick. Who'd you go with? I went with Felicia. I want more Felicia, Kate. <laughs> um, no, so who is your pick? Wally. Oh! <laughs> Wally West. <gasps> Flash writers good. pull your head out of your butt and figure out how to use your actors and figure out what to do with Wally other than just sending him conveniently off screen so you can spend more time with hilariously sexist stretchy dude. Um, anyways, Wally. <laughs> Yeah, but Felicia's an excellent pick, too. She's fabulous. Um, how about actor or actors you want more of? Um, I couldn't come up with one for this one, actually, this time around. Um, I think just because in my brain, I wasn't, like, thinking along those lines. So who mm. was on yours? It's the entire cast of The Carmichael Show. <laughs> I want them in everything. Oh, so you've been keeping up with Ghosted, then? <laughs> no, but I want yeah. them in more stuff. Um, and uh, <laughs> Tiffany Haydish, uh, had a, had a, she had a great year this year mm-hmm. which is awesome um but i want to see all of them popping up all over my tv and in movies and making lots of money please and if not certainly getting some interesting roles to play i would love to see just that entire ensemble get way more work yeah absolutely okay so that wraps up our character awards let's move on quickly to our writing awards um what got your pick for best writing for a comedy series 
Oh, Kate, it's the good place, uh, but yeah. also Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. I mean, those those were the two best options, I think, uh, this year. I mean, good place for that uh, finale, but also for, like, Chidi's Choice, which is still one of my favorite episodes of the show. Um, but their ability to, to turn some stuff here um, from a plot level for season two has been really good. But also just really solid throwaway lines, like a shrimp dispenser. <laughs> Don't eat the white chocolate. It's, <laughs> it's very good. It's very good. But Crazy Ex-Girlfriend is just as we discussed in especially with the uh the mid-season finale a couple of weeks ago just just really solid in terms of how it's writing right now so those were my two choices what about you yeah well i don't know how, for us at least those are those are our choices and there uh-huh. are several other really terrific individual episodes but for like yeah. overall series the pacing and the structure that they've gone with for good place knowing when to churn through the plot and when to st- hold hold off and like really stay with the current like setup and dynamic they have they've done a terrific job with that this this year on good place and balance that pretty well we were starting to get a little worried at the start of season two but we were they, yeah but they picked it back up uh or they they pivoted i should say really nicely and then with crazy ex-girlfriend like it counts as a comedy um and it was hilarious and then also absolutely honest and gut-wrenching with its uh, depiction of of Rebecca's mental health and what she was dealing with and how her family and friends were responding, um, and it just was so again so deft in the handling of that. So it's just like there there's lots of other great writing on TV, but for me those like you said those are just way above everything else. How about drama series? Uh, so this was uh, the Halt and Catch Fire Award. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, it's also Descending Stories, um, which, again, has told a really dramatic story across like 10, 13 episodes, uh, half hour episodes, no less. And so Descending Stories for me. But I also like uh, giving like some love to like Minty uh, for the underground is it's just an immaculately written episode as well. So. Yeah. No, that's a that's you know one that I will have an opinion on once I've watched it. Uh, I look forward to having that and not feeling bad every time you mention the show. No, uh, no, don't feel bad. It's okay. No, no, that just makes it worse, and you know that. Ah, okay. <laughs> um, so I also have the leftovers, which has been like just edged out by other picks, and like so, like yeah, they, had, they you had haven't an, mentioned that once. Well, they had an awesome start of season montage as well. Mm-hmm. Like they like it was this amazing montage set to uh, the uh, I wish we'd all been ready about the Millerite uh, the Millerites great disappointment they had mark lynn baker with this amazing cameo but it was like kind of a payoff it was like this dramatic payoff to a bit comedy thing from the first two seasons they had lots of stuff but the the show i mean i talked about it in our previous episode so i don't want to just rehash everything i've said but the writing for this season the uh commitment to the characters and the willingness to just go totally insane to to just do their alt reality episode and just go swing big for the fences. And then to, to do the Frasier, the sex line (laughs) episode and to do um, like to, to to have this whole trek into the, uh, into the outback in the Australian outback and this like beacon of white privilege who thinks he needs to save the world by appropriating Aboriginal culture. Um, Like they, the the ideas that they have that they had over at the leftovers and the way that they tied those to the rest of the show's themes and to this discussion of loss and trauma and and recovery um were just absolutely amazing 
well-structured, well-paced, terrific material for the actors to work with and a gorgeous end to a wonderful show. So I have to mention the leftovers. Uh, how about best comedy sketches or writing for a sketch comedy series? I didn't, I didn't watch any sketch comedy this year, Kate. Uh-huh. Um, I was just like, I don't, I don't have one and I'm cheating a little bit with monologue, uh, later on, but I don't, I don't have a sketch comedy this year. So. Okay. Well, this is not a sketch comedy. There were several SNL ones that I thought were really fun, but like Mm -hmm. the one I, the one that I thought back on and laughed the most at, which was like a sort of like a comedy short was CSI crime scene idiot from uh, John Oliver with Josh Charles. I will allow that. I like that choice a lot. Yeah. It was so funny and every, like and just delightful. And so that that came to mind for me. <laughs> it was really funny. How about uh, most quotable series? It's the good place, Kate. It makes it. I can just I, I can tell you lines and yeah. So yeah, it was the good place for me. Yeah, there's that one. There's a craziest girlfriend. There's a lot mm-hmm. of ones in there for me. There's a lot of uh, leftovers that if you had seen it, I'd be quoting at you. <laughs> uh, same thing with Hulk. Like the the shows I'm most connected with also have really terrific, terrific, terrific dialogue. So yeah. like you know, those are the ones that I just kind of default to. Um, yeah, the so I'll, I'll go with i'll go with i'll second your good place pick but like or like bob's burgers like mm-hmm. the, I, my family and i've been quoting bob's burgers to each other a lot this year it's been sort of our coping with 2017 show <laughs> when they took it off of netflix for a while like like reduced change with the episodes were on netflix it was a dark day in the calls like extended family um how about best monologue i had like so many that came to my i watch a lot of speechy shows no right well i mean there's minty um mm-hmm. which is like probably the top choice i think um but i i sort of went a little like sideways with this and because i really wanted a place to mention this show and this was the best place for me to mention it um is late night with seth myers and the closer look segments um which are almost daily at this point where myers is just rapid fire delivering sort of an editorial in the vein of like last week tonight or um that kind of a vein but uh in like 11 minutes and not really with that sort of degree of research and commenting on a particular news segment um but it's just been it's sort of like the first thing i check when i wake up in the morning actually because they drop them uh, right before I go to bed, it's the first, the last thing I watch before I go to bed most nights <laughs> is like look on YouTube to see if they've dropped a closer look, and if they have, then I watch that right before I go to bed. Um, but I couldn't find another place to put this, so I put it with monologue since it's just Myers talking for like eight minutes, eight That's to twelve minutes. Totally legit. So, yeah. yeah, no, that that counts. Um, I have uh, well, see, they're all shows you don't watch. The leftovers, uh, the finale monologue from Nora uh, Carrie Coon is amazing but there's a bunch of monologues throughout the the, the show does a lot of monologues and they're all great um there's the like basically everything like reggie speaks in monologues on survivor's remorse uh m chuck gets this great monologue um eric ash is the actor um to the gravestones of the three men who raped her mother one of whom is her father and she doesn't know who it is and the mom doesn't know who it is. Um, she gives this amazing monologue that's cutting and and raw and funny. 
all at the same time. Um, so Survivor's Remorse has some really, really great stuff. Of course, I mentioned Reggie, but not the actor. Ron Rico Lee plays Reggie on Survivor's Remorse. And again, also speaks in monologues. That whole show, again, it's a show of monologues. And then there's Twin Peaks, where like characters will start speaking in <laughs> in, in monologues Uh and uh or or just not speaking at all it's like there's like either or at times and it's really you know kind of crazy so those those are the ones that um that i went with uh, i don't think we can count crazy ex-girlfriend when she's talking about what she what i don't think that's long enough for a monologue right yeah no probably not probably not okay so and then yeah, obviously the big episode long one is minty so like you know I'll, mm-hmm. I'll cap it off with minty like you said that's just an amazing just a bit of writing but also delivery from the actor so yeah there were a lot often usually i struggle for monologues but this year yeah. there was a wealth of them to the point where i had to be like well this whole show just is monologues <laughs> what about uh best writing for a single episode because there were a lot there were a lot mind. and we mentioned minty uh, quite a bit um yeah. so i also want to mention in part because this one has to juggle quite a bit uh, a couple of other things happening but um hold please from uh one day yep. at a time i had that one as well it's just so good and so it's really funny but like the climax of it is really really great and they resist the urge because they they could if they wanted to go down to that street fair but they don't and they just keep like having it cycle back in some ways um through the through characters popping back into the apartment but the entirety of hold please i think is just um a wonderful example of that kind of three camera proscenium um sitcom writing at its very finest and so definitely hold please is like the immediate one that came into my brain uh but what about you what were some of your choices well i thought that one um i also have mumu from brooklyn 99 written by oh, a good good choice jackson um you know there's there's uh girls um american bitch um comes to mind uh there are a few others but like Let's stick with those for now. Some <laughs> other episodes will get mentioned other places, so let's. I don't want to spoil, but um, but but no, both of those are very, uh, they're very centered on a theme, and they discuss an issue, while also, or you could point to like Juneteenth from Blackish too, um, a similar vein where it's like talking about an issue, but mm-hmm. it's talking about it while still adhering to the tone of the show, while still being funny because these are all comedies as well, um, and. And threading the the gap between, you know, when you need uh, the when you need to go for the the joke and when you need to pull back and let the let the the comedy breathe, but also let the characters feel more real, so that we will laugh with them more at the next joke um, and not betray the issue that each of these episodes decided they wanted to tackle. So, yeah, those those all came to mind for me. How about best uh, crafting of a season? Uh, so I have a couple of choices here for best and worst, actually. Um, Good Place Season 1, obviously, um, for their crafting of uh, Season 1, I think is just just so good. And uh, really, uh, it's really delightful to watch. Um, even if it's sort of uneven and spotty, I really like the structure and overall approach that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. took in Season 4 uh, and how they put that season together, even if certain pods, as they call them, 
weren't as strong as other pods. The idea of doing pods in the general, I think, really works as like a structural standpoint for the show, and one that maybe other superhero shows should consider copying. <laughs> um, but for also just bad crafting of seasons, um, Elementary's most recent season was just really poorly crafted. Yeah. And uh, then there's American Crime Season 3, yeah. which, yeah, just not great, guys, and not a great way to, like, explore these issues in a way that just doesn't make sense at all. So those were sort of the four shows that really stood out to me um, when it came to crafting a season this year. Uh, but what about you? What stood out for your season craft this year? Um, I It's not a season craft. It's more of an arc. But, yeah. um, but Fern on Adventure Time. Oh, it, kind of goes, it goes across a couple seasons like because this year we had a lot of adventure time we had like two and a half seasons of adventure time yeah um and so the just the arc they take fern on and the way that impacts the rest of the characters i thought it was really well handled very very interesting and really affecting um continuing to be so as as yep. the show continues um we're getting close to the end dude i'm gonna miss it so much when it's gone um also i want to mention oh the 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 leftovers um, halt and catch fire the structure of when they had gordon's death and and all all of the um like the the, the build-up and then the denouement like i thought they paced that really really well um and it was really yeah really really satisfying um while also being very sad <laughs> um yeah and i have other thoughts on poorly paced uh, outlander was very poorly paced <laughs> they needed more episodes or they needed to cut some stuff uh this year uh, yeah there there's some other ones but we're gonna save it for disappointments because there are many shows that took a tumble in their second season um so we'll more on that when we get to disappointments but yeah elementary is one of them so let's go to our final uh award for writing most memorable line or delivery and again, I have a bu- I have a bunch. I won't gonna say them all, but I, I have a bunch. You have a, a overall winner, though, as I understand. Yeah, no, uh, there's there's only one. There was really only one choice for me, and that was Ted Danson's grin slash laugh as it's all revealed in Michael's Gambit. Um, just that's just so good, Kate. Um, it's just such a sharp, really solid laugh. Um, but also like the face performance, the facial performance as well is just really, really great. Um, I don't think that there's a better delivery than that moment, um, from this year, though I've got an idea, uh, from the end of Halt and Catch Fire is also very, very good Mm -hmm. and in its simplicity and its delivery and it's sort of, no, I've got it. I have it. This is it. Um, from Donna is just really great as well. So those were like my two like big choices. Um, I'm really bad at keeping up with quotes um these days since I don't have to pull them for end of end of year re- end of um, episode reviews anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, but tell me some of your favorite lines and deliveries from this year. Those were terrific, though. Like the evil laugh, like yeah. that's how you you nail it. And it's sort of like this malicious giggle to it. Like there's like yes. this joy and glee at being <laughs> yeah. found out. Like it, it while also being super creepy. Like yeah, excellent, excellent choices and very well delivered. I also have um, oh, there's a bunch. Um, uh, Renata's like, uh, like don't you dare mess with my daughter's birthday party or whatever it was uh from from big little lies like i draw the line messing with my daughter's party um because they schedule a 
another birthday party the same day. No, it's the thing. Um, that was super duper hilarious. And Laura Dern, you're fabulous. Uh, Elijah telling Hannah she's going to be a horrible mother on Girls. Because she is. Let's be honest. Uh, but it was also hilarious. Holt's uh, words of encouragement to Rosa in uh, uh, Game Night were absolutely lovely. And I tried to find the specific words, but I did not find them. But um, the more of us who uh, are out there makes the world a more authentic and beautiful and interesting place. Something like that uh, was was really terrific. The leftovers after the aforementioned wonderful monologue from Carrie Coon, we just get, I believe you. And you're just like, oh, it makes me want to cry just saying that. I believe you. The, like, just the weight and the uh, delivery of that is just so powerful. It's it's, oh, it's absolutely gorgeous. The words I believe you shouldn't just necessarily just have that power, but they really, really do in that context. Um, what else? We have uh, Felix's uh, comment, uh, his his galaxy of women um, in, in his art show on Orphan Black, talking about nature versus nurture. So to my galaxy of women, thank you for the nurture. Uh, beautiful kind of send off for that character who didn't get as much in the last couple of episodes, but really got a fabulous feature and spotlight there. Um, Twin Peaks, <laughs> Dougie Jones. Hello. Just is so weird. Kyle McLaughlin does like this weird read of the word hello as he wins at like every uh, quarter eater in the casino. Um, yeah. Very strange and hilarious. Um, and that's contrasted with, I am the FBI. I also love Clark Middleton's, you know, I don't have a crystal ball while there is a crystal ball on his desk. It's like, it's amazing. Um, and, uh, the see the, the Mitchum brothers, uh, what the bleep kind of neighborhood is this? People are under a lot of stress, Bradley, as like, there's a shootout in the middle of the street. Um, and then, uh, <laughs> wrecked my pants, my pants. <laughs> when uh, Danny pulls a Florence, like that's the delivery as well as fabulous. Um, for Lady Olena in Game of Thrones, tell Cersei, I want her to know it was me. She also gets like a monologue send off, but like the kicker is, where she's been offered a cup of poison to, to for a dignified death and then after she's drunk the poison she tells jamie by the way i killed your son and now i'm if you can't torture me to death anymore tell cersei i want her to know it was me oh oh dame diana rig yes um then there was also um there were a bunch of other ones but i'll leave it um okay the the tongue it's not a friend to the cookie from <laughs> Curb Your Enthusiasm. <laughs> One of the more quoted exchanges. I've been, I've been like, I know Curb Your Enthusiasm has not apparently been as good this year as it usually is. Maybe I would really like it if I watched the old stuff. I haven't kept up with it, but that episode and that whole like cookie tongue like debate. Well, I've had that at least three or four times with we my family. <laughs> since watching the episode and it's that was i thought delightful and hilarious and i'll round things out with uh hold and catch fire you said i have an idea i'll say a couple things first of all the the um i i built it for i built phoenix for people like you um with donna and cam so lovely um and then also it was a pleasure working with you at phoenix um that that scene but specifically that line at the end i thought was absolutely lovely and i'm just gonna pretend that we ended 
you know, in the diner and we ended with them and we didn't end with jokes. I get that they're going for it, but nobody cares about Joe. Go away, Joe. So that's where I will end with quotes. There were and there were many more. There was a lot of really fun TV. If you want um to to find more of the of really hilarious TV, or like we didn't do who did the dicks? <laughs> hashtag who drew the dicks. Um, but if you want to see more of those, then you can go. There's a hashtag going around on Twitter with best lines 2017 or something like that. And there's a bunch of them there, so you can find more there. Oh man, so much, so much great great tv this year um okay let's take a break listen to storm music and we'll be back with more awards yay why would you want to be here what do you ever see here that doesn't make you feel worse than you do and tell me what's the use of feeling blue why would you want to employ her subjects that destroyed her why keep up her silly zoo oh tell me what's the use of feeling blue slow dance with you I just want to slow dance with you I know all the other boys are tough and smooth And I got the blues I want to slow dance with you I want to slow dance with you I just want to slow dance with you Take the chance, I've got the moves I'd like to prove I wanna slow dance with you But you, you seem so bright and healthy And your minds are full of joy and wonder Stay a thousand miles from the condition That I've got from all the stress I'm under Don't come near me or you might encourage All these terrifying sudden urges Seeing you make skipping work so tempting Don't you know that in the night I'm tempting here At this dead-end job Oh, we are the working dead and we lurch for minimum wage But I'd really rather be Eating your brain That was more music from the year's TV And quite fittingly, it's time to talk about The music from the year's TV um, So Noel, what was, uh, in your estimation The best new theme song or and or opening credit sequence From 2017? Well, first I want to mention sort of the worst, and this is actually more of a disappointment. And it's also the first time we've mentioned this show in any capacity so far. Um, and that's Star Trek Discovery. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, it's bad. On like a number of levels, musically, not good. Mm-hmm. Graphically, really doesn't make sense. Um, well, it does. It's Star Trek stuff, but the fact that it's Star Trek stuff basically describes Star Trek Discovery. It's Star Trek stuff. <laughs> um and so, no, it's it's a terrible opening, and I don't really like the music either. Um, but Descending Stories has a really beautiful, jazzy, Bond-esque opening for its second season. 
and that doesn't really feel like it fits the rest of the show at all, but it's really, really good, and it's really delightful, and it's really inventive, and some of the imagery, despite sort of seeing a little grim, really fits with where the show's main character is in his life. And so it just works really, really well when you have a guy opening his robe and you're just seeing a skeleton and he's ready to die and he's ready for every this art to die with him. He wants it to go with him. So all of it, this is very good. And then there's just all the jazzy sort of Bond stuff that's going on visually as well. So it was by far and away like my favorite new theme song slash opening. Um, and I was glad that they kept it for the entirety of the um, season. Uh, but what about you? What stood out to you for theme songs and opening credits this year? I really like the One Day at a Time theme by Gloria Stefan. Oh, okay. Uh, it's cool. super catchy and it's stuck in my head. I've used it in the, you know, last week's music for the best of the of 2017 TV shows. Um but yeah, that one has really stuck in there, so I wanted to to mention that one. For me, I don't really care about the credits as much, but the 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 song itself is yeah. like it I could sing it for you right now because it's really stuck in there in my brain. Um I am la- so it's also my catchiest new theme song. Um yeah. but I also wanted to mention credits. You mentioned Star Trek Discovery. I also so, uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but your credits are too similar <laughs> to better things. So yeah. that try again, hopefully. So that, that that's that's where I have for that. Um, do you have another choice for catchiest theme song? Well, um, since it's a new cover and arrangement, I'm going to choose it. Mm-hmm. Um, but Kate, why why are we not talking about the Ducktales theme song? Oh, good call. <laughs> oh, yeah. Very nice. Um, no, so it's not a new theme song, but it's a new cover and arrangement. And that is how I'm justifying working the DuckTales theme song into this. The opening is also very good um, with that comic book sort of style, um, while still calling back in a lot of ways to the old one. But it's so good, Kate. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's really, really good. It's super catchy, and that that is a really terrific thing. I didn't even think of that. I should have. That's a good call. Yeah, very nice. Okay, how about uh, best score? Um, I actually really struggled to come up with one for this. Um, I did too. Mainly because there hasn't been like a lot of scoring that I felt really compelled by. Um, where I was like, "All right, Reitzel's back for American Gods," and I'm just like, "No, wait, this isn't working for me." Yeah, because you already did all of this for me. We've had a discussion about this. Um, so I couldn't really come up with one that really sort of stuck in my craw in a good way for best score. But I was hoping you had something. No, not really. Like, there was a couple oh. of scoring moments that I really liked in One on Earth this season. Yeah. Um, there's a couple things here and there, but, like... Those are moments, though, Those are moments. There you... aren't an overall yeah. score. And I got... I was really disappointed in the scoring for American Gods overall. I was very disappointed in the scoring for The Good Fight. Um, it just hasn't been hasn't been as interesting. Um, yeah. There's been some good scoring moments in Game of Thrones and certainly in Halt and Catch Fire and some of these other shows. But, like, there isn't a show that I felt like... Oh, there, there are some really fun moments in Outlander, but a lot of really not interesting stuff, too. So, like, there isn't a show that I felt really captured its tone and its point of view and its perspective in its score. And the obvious exception to that is Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, which uses its soundtrack 
as right. like to draw into its score all the time, which then adds nuance and layer to layers to the scenes that you're watching because they're referencing then different musical moments based on what they feed through the score during, you know, and, and they're underscoring. Um, but like outside of that, like I was kind of at a loss to think of, you know, another the show. I mean, like Mindhunter is very present. Yeah with its score but it's still i'm not it's not something that i particularly remember about it yeah no i had the same thought of like i I thought i liked the mindhunter score but then i was just like i can't tell you anything about the mindhunter score so i can't count it and lady dynamite had a lot less music in this season than it did the previous so like yeah i was kind of drawing a blank for that one how about soundtrack um, I mean, it's isn't it Crazy Ex Girlfriend? Is there yeah. another choice? For it's Crazy Ex Girlfriend. It kind of feels yeah. like cheating because yeah. <laughs> it's definitely Crazy Ex Girlfriend. But do you have any thoughts outside of a show that writes its own music, uh, its own songs? Um, well, and this sort of like comes to like deployment of pre-existing songs, I mm-hmm. guess. Um, so I'll lump this in here. Um, but Handmaid's Tale use of up until a certain point um their use of uh um pre-existing songs for their end credits um is really effective especially like the first one of like you don't own me mm-hmm. um for the premiere is really really strong and so i like their soundtrack um and i like how they use these pre-existing songs but um yeah no it's it's crazy ex-girlfriend yeah no it's crazy ex-girlfriend um i thought the vietnam war also had a really terrific soundtrack um and uh it did a pretty good job of uh like because there are a lot of really obvious choices but the reason they're obvious to us is because a lot of other things have used them because they were so such huge hits and so like deeply uh connected to their time when they came out and like the the specific time frames of like you know of of the time period uh, that the vietnam war is covering so Mm -hmm. like you know like maybe that's an obvious choice but or the like some of the songs they use are obvious choices but they were still really affecting um and when you're talking about you know deployment of a pre-existing song i just for me it was you don't own me and there was diminishing returns absolutely in the soundtrack choices for handmaid's tale but for that first moment the first bit of not score you know of soundtrack choice of like the the, that choice is absolutely phenomenal it is it it is energizing it's a hell yeah moment it tells you so much about june um as she says her name to be it tells you about a lot of what the show intends to be what the 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 tenor of the show will be and so yeah i definitely wanted to have that one how about um do you have any other pre-existing songs you want to mention no that was that was it for me there the other one i have is baby mine from Dumbo for Halt and Catch Fire, the threading okay. of that through the season and then the ultimate sort of reveal of that and Gordon's memories, I thought was absolutely gutting and gorgeous and wonderful. Have a best musical moment. Um, this was actually a little tricky for me as uh this was one I wasn't like keeping like super close track on. Um uh like we've talked about, like Crazy Ex Girlfriend does a really good job of like reprising its own score really, really nicely. Um I guess most recently, um, a lot of like the sort of like quiet piano work that's in Steven Universe in Jim Cation, I really, really liked. Um, it's really soft, it's really subtle, and, but it really speaks to the struggle that Steven's having in that particular episode, um, which I'm being cagey about because we haven't discussed um, yeah. the most recent run of Steven episodes at all yet. 
Um, but I really liked how the piano got deployed there. Um, so I guess that's my choice, but, um, I need to like take better notes on that, but I'm hoping you have a lot of musical moment choices to make up for the fact that I didn't really have one. Well, it, cause when I think of musical moments, I think of characters singing or like, so like the really awkward tomorrow karaoke and people of earth or, um, there, there's, there's other things like that where they're, it's. In Crazy Girlfriend, that could be like the, the entire show, but yeah, um, other shows where they're using music in a memorable way. So, of course, I think of One Mississippi and Ring of Keys. Um, I think of uh, just some of the other opportunities they, that shows came up with to have characters sing, even though it didn't necessarily make sense. Um, I'll, I'll go with I'll go with Ring of Keys because I feel like that is a good way. Like you could do the um, like the different kind of musical sequences in the Bleakening. There have been a few, but like Ring of Keys was just kind of out of nowhere because that's not what the show usually does, you know? And so that was particularly affecting, which is why I included it in the music of last week's episode. Um, how about a new category, uh, best uh, one-off musical episode? So basically best musical episode where Crazy Ex-Girlfriend isn't eligible. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have any of that, that that you enjoyed this year? Um, I mean, for me, it's really just like, the only one that really came to mind for me was duet um mm-hmm. which is really is really good i think and um overall i think it's really good and so i i i'll go with duet and for like the number that you mentioned um best friends super friends um was just really good too yes you liked super friends more than i did and i you know yeah. i liked it more on rewatch than i did mm-hmm. i did initially so at least there's that um yeah duet was terrific and uh so was uh it was really lovely and and so fun and they captured exactly what they were trying to go for and very really well executed um uh juneteenth uh blackish i thought was was really effective and, and an interesting choice and a neat thing to see them do um but i gotta give a special award to the gang turns black from always sunny in philadelphia you know the, the whole thing of are they in the whiz or are they in like the um the quantum leaped and scott bacula shows up and sings his own little song about like oh my god it was crazy it ends so intensely it was one of the most memorable episodes of tv i watched last year and always sunny is in their 12th season it had always sunny had a really good 12th season 12 that's crazy um let's move on to our most memorable moments what was the trippiest scene like i could just say twin peaks but right like you could. did you have any that came to mind well yeah i i think um um this may have like been like your choice for like extraneous stuff um but folks getting swallowed by bilquis man um oh that's coming up again yeah yeah it's coming up again but I, it's just by far and away probably the trippiest thing i watched uh this year and one of the highlights of american gods for me so that that wins for that uh trivia scene okay well this we don't really have a horrifying scene we have a traumatizing moment but we'll get to there um so i had to find a place to put the horrible gross horrible terrible terrible horrible uh exorcist uh bugs coming out of the holes in his shoulder oh god so gross um yeah that's not trippiest it's creepiest but i'm putting it there um there also was so much with the legion um that was really effective with at least for me with that stuff like the like the 
the stuff with Jermaine where he was up in his own like little kind of pod in the in the the scuba suit and everything that was really trippy and weird there was a lot of twin peaks that was eligible for that um there was i mean like so much of the leftovers <laughs> is eligible um for this um performing heart open heart surgery on yourself so so that you can get a key so you can start a nuclear annihilation of an alt universe so that hopefully you'll get back to your universe and you can wake up and realize you were an idiot for not connecting more with your wife and uh letting her slip away from you (laughs) like super trippy weird stuff going on um on a bunch of tv this this year but yeah let's 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 just stick it with 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 Tea, talking tea kettles for <laughs> Twin Peaks. Um, WTF moment. Yeah, um, so this happened really recently and it sort of like washed everything out for me because it's terrible and it also is where this show apparently thinks it is. Is Betty does a strip tease in Riverdale mm. uh, to get closer to um, like Jughead's uh closer and more involved in the serpents and she wants to be a part of that world and show that she's a part of that world so she does the serpents dance which is how women get sort of like affiliate abducted into the serpents Southside serpents and her mom's also in the audience or was in the audience and caught her at the tail end of this and it's just like betty there are a lot of questions i have about your decisions right now and one of them is doing a striptease when you know your mom's going to be there so let's have a let's have a sit down. And but it's just really bizarre in terms of a what are you doing show and Betty, what are you doing, Betty? And yeah, it was just it's very weird. There are other like much better choices, but this was like I didn't understand it on multiple levels. And so that's what made me say what the fuck about it. <laughs> okay. Um there's there are a few that came to mind from Room 104 but I didn't really like those episodes so I just figured I would skip that. Instead let's focus on Lady Dynamite. <laughs> and now we're under the earth and there's a sword and there's you have to unleash a hell beast or something. Um I don't know and what's happening and it doesn't matter. Because that's the kind of the point. Um, so, yeah. so the like the culmination of things in Lady Dynamite season two is what came to mind for this uh, of the for for this for me. Um, also, this is a comedic choice, but like everything around Bebo, <laughs> the uh, <laughs> the God of War on Legends of Tomorrow, just like it's re- like down to the horrible wig that uh, Damien Dark is wearing. Like, why, why, Damien? You don't spring for you don't use your cosmic powers to give yourself much better looking hair. No, don't worry about it. Just, just you know, it was just ridiculous and didn't make any sense, and it was still really terrific. So um, I'm glad you picked that because that that ended up sort of being my oxygen award for comedy. (laughs) 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 Um, Was that entire episode? So you just explained everything that I needed to in a few minutes. Thanks. (laughs) We will get there. How about gut punch? Uh, This is Gordon's death. like how it's um just it hits really hard and even though there's in hindsight like a kind of a steady build up to it uh but yeah it just it it hit me pretty hard um and i was really i was really happy that it hit me as hard as it did but i really it 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 was really really well well done uh what about you um well hannah 
13 reasons why yeah um again the i believe you on the leftovers like is a positive thing but just like it it, it hits you really hard but in a good way like it's it's strange it's hard to describe um because the gut punch is usually like it takes the wind out of your sails and it's just like you're just you can't you're just there you're just, you know like how do you process that right but for me um it was just like you get this answer and it's this insane answer to what's been going on in the leftovers um and then it's just so such a simple response just kind of fixes everything so maybe it's not the right category for it but i wanted no, to mention I think that works i mean if it if it hit you in a particular way i think that i think that works yeah yeah i also have jacqueline taking the weights on the bold type because mm-hmm. like good. you know it's gonna happen because it has to because the way the episode is structured but it still hits you so hard and that's because yeah. of the performance from laura hardin the other thing i'll mention is the end of one mississippi um, the way, mm-hmm. like with Tego on the radio, and then how you watch the wave of how that affects her family listening. So, yeah, I wanted to to mention that as well. Just this really powerful scene and sequence. So, um, yeah, that that was another that was another absolute gut punch. How about Dusty Dusty him sad word? So many moments made me cry this year. <laughs> there was a lot of crying at my TV knoll. Yeah, well, I mean, I basically just wrote pick in a sad scene from Halt and Catch Fire. Yeah. Um, was also just all over. I didn't even like, I was just like, I'm not going to list them for you. I'm just going to be like, pick any one. And I was just like, there's some dust in here. Um, but also, uh, the tail end of like one Mississippi, I think, is really effective in this. And um, so those were like my two choices were like, pick any sad scene from Halt and the Catch Fire and then like the tail end of one Mississippi um help to hope mm-hmm. on crazy ex-girlfriend just all the tears so much so much of crazy ex-girlfriend this year has has just been that uh man it's hard to yeah uh, like if you have to point to one it's help to hope and the silence that precedes it as well as she makes that choice um yeah how about um f yeah hell yeah satisfying moment Lido's Gay Pride Parade is so good, Kate. It's, it's so, so good. good. It's, it's so, so good. good. And it, it just like, it, it, it was very much one of those moments where it's just like, yes, yeah. And so, no, that was like, that was sort of, that was basically my top choice. I also enjoyed Of Glenn driving really crazily mm-hmm. on The Handmaid's Tale. I really liked that moment and the show really allows you to revel in it, which is really nice. Um, so both of those, I think, were my top, uh, yeah, moments of the year. Uh, what about you? Well, that, yeah, I put that, the Lido and, uh, uh yeah, I put that, I put that, that kiss in best kiss. <laughs> we'll get there. But, um, that's a, that is a great choice. It's just so satisfying. The other thing I have is the, the death of Littlefinger. Everything around it is so stupid. The way that they manipulate the audience to try to get us to think that the sisters are going to backstab each other, which doesn't make any sense. But the reason they were doing that is to get us to, or so it could be a twist and reveal, which is so ham-fisted and, and sloppy and stupid. But I don't care at a certain point because I'm just so happy that he's dead. I'm so happy Littlefinger's dead on Game of Thrones. So, yeah. 
even like you they tried to ruin it for me by the terrible setup they did but it doesn't matter because it's still so satisfying how about best twist or realization not in the finale yeah uh, i didn't have one for this one as i couldn't think of a twist or realization that didn't occur in a finale (laughs) um yeah i I don't i don't i didn't really have one for this one so i'm hoping you did winona is super pregnant (laughs) i'm like like out to here pregnant i thought that worked really really well um like and having it the the twist is that she's pregnant but then to have them for me it's like having them fast forward in the next episode is Mm -hmm. sort of and like having it be like she is not pregnant and she's about to pop um that choice i thought was really effective um and and really just gave so much energy to the second half of the season um how about uh most traumatizing moment besides hannah and also maybe gordon um See, I found a place to put Michael's death in here. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and in part because like the ramifications of it are, we're still dealing with those. And I think that that's one of the big things, like both for, as like an audience member, but also for the show to keep bringing it up and returning to it in different ways that show how it's been traumatizing also for the characters. I think it is really, it's a really nice thing that Jane the Virgin has done to sort of honor that character and the importance that michael has had on everyone's life really on that show um without it just feeling like a what we told you it is a telenovela uh type of thing (laughs) is like they've kept it going in a way that i really really appreciate yeah no that's 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 good i tried to think of ones that weren't deaths sure (laughs) um but but most of and, and like if i had gotten to master of none i'm sure i would have the lena waith stuff with her mom coming out and her mom shutting down um but i didn't if i had gotten to the that episode everybody's talking about better call saul i'm sure i would have had that one but i didn't um so like the the episodes that like like in the, the americans there's an episode where um the characters find out that they have killed an innocent person that they thought was like building like bioweapons to slaughter and like like scores of russians and then they find out later that no they were actually trying to bioengineer some stuff that would feed lots of russians and so that's like a super traumatizing moment like like so there's so there's stuff that goes on there that's really effective um there's there's some stuff that goes on in the leftovers that's really traumatizing and like really powerful and affecting but on a lot of these shows, either it's a death or they um characters move towards healing and and um and uh progress and closer to happiness by the end. So they start to recover. So it has a different impact than if it was like, you know, so like if like last year with Holland Catch Fire with the fall, the big fallout with Donna and Cam, by the end of the season they're good again. So, you know, it feels weird picking you know, when they're being snippy or, or being um, like antagonistic earlier in the season. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. So that's kind of why I had trouble with traumatizing moments outside of just like weird guys covered in soot with pickaxes, like killing people or like a, a bug thing crawling into a girl's ear or something during mm-hmm. uh, like Twin Peaks. <laughs> Twin Peaks had plenty of stuff like uh, Sarah Palmer 
taking her face off. And, like, a guy won't leave her alone at a bar, so she just takes her face off, and there's this howling void inside of where her face was. And her face is in her hand, and that guy uh, does not bother her anymore at the bar, and she closes and puts her face back on. But that's super charming. Like, there's plenty of Twin Peaks, but I don't want to just, like, keep saying Twin Peaks, so... Fill in the blank with your Twin Peaks uh, option. How about Schadenfreude Award? Right. So uh, both of these are from the Defenders. Um, I really appreciated that Daredevil gets trapped alive. Uh, He's still alive, but, you know, Mm -hmm. he'll come back. Um, But mostly, I enjoyed the fact that no one else likes Danny Rand, apparently. Mm -hmm. And it's very rewarding to see that no one else likes him. Um, that was the best thing about the Defenders. Uh, but, so those are, like, the two things I took pleasure in these other people's pains. Of, like, why is no one listening to me? I'm the chosen one. No one's listening to you because you're terrible. (laughs) That's good. I like that. Um, my pick for Schadenfreude Award. Uh, is she gonna keep that mask on? Uh, let's stop the music. Valentina, take your mask off. I would like to keep the mask on. (laughs) It's, it's a lip sync take the mask off oh so satisfying oh never has it been more satisfying to watch someone crash and burn you had time you could have learned the words and you didn't and that's what happens on drag race if you don't learn the words to your lip sync you get booted doesn't matter how bright your star is and how great you are at your looks if you don't because of the mental state you are in you are not able or not willing to learn the words to your lip sync you should not expect to stay on that show that was very satisfying to watch valentina get kicked off uh and to just totally just just like fail in every way that lip sync that was a little nice little bit of schadenfreude for me <laughs> how about uh maybe i'm a terrible person but so it goes how about most striking visual uh, so I had two for this. Um, one is the um, aforementioned Help Hope mm-hmm. um, uh, button in Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Um, the execution of that, the blurriness of it, um, is just, it's really good. <clears throat> and it's really meaningful. Um, but I also liked, and we've discussed this a little bit as well, the Phoenix um, sign in Hulk that's, and Cat's yeah, Fire. That's what I have too. <laughs> Um, and how well that ends up getting uh, displayed and discussed and represented is just like I, I was I was I was just really pleased with it. And so those were my two my two choices for striking visuals, which I really like because they're both very simple visuals, but they carry an immense amount of emotional weight as opposed to like a more complicated or type of shot or special effect. It's just like, no, these were really simple things that ended up having massive amounts of emotional resonance. And that's why they're striking. Yeah. I mean, like when I think back on TV this year, the floating Phoenix over them is just going to stay in my mind. Like, that that the simple like you said the simplicity of that and what everything that it means and the way that they have used red light throughout the show you know just enhances that and the use of the color red throughout the show as well it's a very specific color very important color for for donna um and then when some of them and cams in red too it's impactful in these last few episodes but yeah it's that's what that's what you have to go with at least for me like there are other shot like the the shot of Steen underwater in um underground comes to mind and there's uh like several shots from uh American Gods that come to mind but it, it really those are all more 
it's the the meaning of the phoenix over them is the one that will stay with me i think the most next up is best extraneous sex american gods we didn't love everything about you but what when you were right you were right and that was amazing yeah no i i think american gods pretty much wins for this in a lot of ways um for both like sex and nudity um but it, it also wins because it's also the only show that i watched that had massive amounts of sex <laughs> in it um but yeah in a lot of instances like it informed bill chris but i don't know that it informed necessarily anyone else the salim and the Jin and their sex yes. scene was amazing uh right. the actors are omid uh abtai and, and musa Krish. But it doesn't feel extraneous in this case. No, so, but well, yeah. it's it's not. Well, here's how it's extraneous. They went, they did a. They're like, we're gonna do a very explicit sex scene. We're gonna do a really long, over the top sex scene. Does it need to be this to establish this connection? No, it doesn't need to be that long. It doesn't need to be that that like mystical. It doesn't need to be anywhere near as as much as it is. But they go huge with that because it's important to them and because that's the kind of attention and spectacle that is uh, given to, to to heterosexual couples all the time on TV if it's supposed to be some like big epic thing um, and almost never given to, to queer couples. And so I it is extraneous in the sense that they are like, oh, no, we're going to find ways to have penises in this. Yeah, that's happening. Do we need could we just apply? Yeah, but we're not going to. And I love that. Yeah, I suppose it just it doesn't feel extraneous within like the moment. And I understand and it feels more like an advocacy sort of thing than necessarily extraneous. But I, I see your point, though. Yeah. How about uh, best shipping? Because I also have uh, Salim and the Jin for that, as well as some yeah. others. Right. Um. Well, Kate, Lena bought Catco for her girlfriend. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Will she like me more if I buy her media empire for her? <laughs> yeah. Maybe, hopefully. Uh, super core, um, all the way. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, that was sort of like the big one. Um, also, can some love you younger, please? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely younger. And I actually have younger later on, but no, I think that there's a lot of really good stuff in younger too. Um, there's also oh, you saying younger made me forget the other thing that I was going to have. Um, oh, worst worshiping moments. Um, guys, no, I'm glad he's gone. Um, Adam, just no, Jane no. the Virgin, no, no, bad show, awesome, no, for having a queer uh, a bi guy. You know, yeah. that's no. amazing. That's great. But yeah. they just yeah. There's just gonna yeah no that's a yeah, that's no. one of my disappointments. Um, also for least chemistry, uh, John and Danny on Game of Thrones they totally messed that up <laughs> horribly. Who does like tries to get like spends a season trying to get people to ship a couple and then doesn't show us their first kiss? Just cuts Game right to Thrones, boning. Apparently. No first kiss. You people who don't understand how rom coms work, people who don't understand how to build sexual tension on screen. Come on. So yeah, that that's a, that's a definite least chemistry. Um, any other ones come to mind? Uh for least chemistry, I mean, there's obviously McGrath and Brooks on Supergirl. Oh god, <laughs> right again. It's, two such charismatic people and so yeah. so gorgeous. And no, nothing. 
God, no, it's it's really sad. Um, so yeah, it's both of them. But then on the flip side, McGrath and Benoist. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Okay, how about Oxygen uh, Award for comedy? Well, yeah, you took my comedy award with uh, um, Legends of Tomorrow because that entire episode, Kate, <laughs> just a comedic masterpiece. Uh, um so yeah that was mine uh what was yours like i just i think it's not an episode but i just it's a good place i just go back to i just think of the trolley problem and i start giggling <laughs> i think of like you already mentioned it but the shrimp dispenser and the white chocolate mm-hmm. is terrible don't have it and she has more like it just it makes me just giggle just thinking about it so like there are several others you know like really funny moments but like i just kind of default to the good place for that one for, for right now there was there's some really great uh bob stuff too that had me rolling this this year but the good place how about uh drama like scene so intense you couldn't breathe yeah i really sort of struggled with this one too is i didn't i think a lot of it boils down to the fact that i was just like really emotionally invested in a lot of what halt and catch fire was doing that i ended up not breathing a lot Mm -hmm. um even if it wasn't necessarily sort of like a particularly intense thing but because i was so invested in these characters uh whether it's sort of like i love all the versions of you or the uh, Joe and um, Cameron sort of deciding to live apart with the apartment. Um, just these are things that I just like built up to, but I didn't. I I didn't. I they weren't so intense that I was just like on the edge of my seat trying to like grip things, but like I would occasionally forget to breathe. Well, and which I is think, exactly the point yeah. of the thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I have that with leftovers too. Just all yeah. like. Laura goes scuba diving. Laura, you go scuba diving. And you're just like, your heart just sinks and you think you know what that means. And you just are like staring there. You can't even like process. And then you see her in the finale and she's fine. And and then you you remember to breathe. Somehow part of you hasn't been breathing for the last two weeks and you didn't even realize it. You know, like left up so many things in the leftovers yeah absolutely um most ridiculous moment we already had bebo got a four which is pretty up yeah. there and i've had already talked about a talking tea kettle on mm-hmm. twin peaks what else comes to mind anything well so i've got two one's good and one's bad um the good ridiculous moment is drunk nicole hot <laughs> yeah is very good <laughs> and very it's over good. the top and i love it uh but Bad ridiculous moment is Queen Sugar, sadly, for <sighs> guys, just say the word paternity test and everything's done. It's ridiculous that no one's saying the words paternity test. And so that was really ridiculous for me. It's not a good ridiculous, but it's ridiculous. You know what else is ridiculous? We said what else most, is ridiculous? We said most chemistry and we didn't say bye in Hollywood and we're sorry. Oh, we are sorry. That's on us. Televers regrets the error. Tina Lifford and uh, and Omar Dorsey definitely on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fixing that. Um, most uh ridiculous. Uh, well, a thing that's going to come up in the anchor award. Uh, let's tease that a little bit by saying birds are symbols too. <laughs> okay, the sinner. More on that in the moment. Best <laughs> interactivity hashtag. Who drew the dicks? Yeah, no, it's it's hashtag who drew the dicks. There's not another choice there. 
yeah. Uh, worst interactivity? Any any people any people just totally miss it with their fan base besides well, Supergirl? I mean, Supergirl did to a certain extent with um some of their folks. Um, but that was like the only one that really immediately came to mind for me this year. Um, I'm not sure anyone else really went out of their way to anger their fan base too much. Yeah, Jeremy Jordan, not no. Not your best time, and also, uh, um, Macad Brooks, not not a good not a good year for you, not a good summer for you. Um, you're really trying to you guys really trying to alienate your viewership. Um, yeah, that not not the whole debacle with Comic Con, not good. Supergirl cast. How about the la 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 word for show that you like? If someone spoils it for you, you're gonna have to like just go and do bad things to the exterior of their car uh what show can't be spoiled yeah don't spoil the good place for me guys don't do it don't <laughs> we do have it screeners and i have not watched them i'm not allowed to watch them kate <laughs> <laughs> my person does not allow me to watch them so i don't i i don't get to see the three episodes that nbc has posted mm-hmm mm-hmm after we finish this record, I am allowed to watch them, so then I will. But yeah, no, that's that's a that's a great choice as well. Um, how about the la 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 word for that didn't happen? I'm just pretending it didn't happen. I'm pretending Sean Spicer didn't show up at the Emmys because fuck that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's that's an excellent choice. I'm also pretending the stuff with Jim uh, Jimmy Olsen is not happening uh, on on Super on Supergirl. Um, which I know we've already hit that button, but like, I mean, come on, that's just, I'm going to have to do a lot of denial next year, but I'm really trying to pretend that didn't happen. Um, also I'm trying to pretend that I didn't watch all of, uh, Iron Fist, but that's taken a lot of denial because it definitely did watch all of it. Um, okay. <laughs> Anything else? Or is that, that wrap up our, our moment awards? That wraps up our moment awards, I think. Okay. So now I'll take a break and come back with best seasons and series. okay it's gonna be all right we raise their children then raise their buildings and they made billions i'm catching feelings really what else did we build railroads wall street the white house and university uva we built that chapel hill we built that pyramid no sorry our hebrew brothers get credit for that Miles, let's turn up and get it poppin'. Settle down, we still ain't got nothing. We built this. You're my best friend, and I know I'm not yours, and that's okay. I'm not your best friend of that, I'm pretty sure, but I'm okay. Friendship doesn't have to be a two-way street, as long as there's a car on the road. Friendship doesn't have to mean a shoulder to cry on, I don't need a shoulder to cry. Oh, I'm just kidding. You're my best friend, and I know I'm not yours, and that's okay. Your best friend is somebody else, but I get it. Such profound humiliation. 
such all-consuming shame The buzzing from the bathroom Has finally been explained That was no electric toothbrush No facial scrub device And now I finally know the meaning Of the words team That was nice Dark clouds file The moon is near Birds fly by in the bedroom stair There's no telling what I might find I couldn't see I was lost at the time Jingle jangle dingle dangle jingle jangle ding Jingle jungle dingle dongle Allison Road Jingle jangle dingle dangle jingle jangle ding Jingle jungle dingle dongle Allison Road I couldn't see I was lost at the time Wait for it we're back uh, with more words. We are nearing, we've been going for like ever, um, but we're nearing the end here. I feel like we're not going as long as we went last year. Which, did, why did you say that? We still have more to go, Noel. You're jinxing us. We do, us. but I feel like we can get through a lot of this very quickly. Okay, seasons. Yeah. Yeah. Most spectacular burnout. There were several contenders. A bunch of there shows were. started strong and then fizzled. Yeah, and I went with the one that I watched in part because I wanted to discuss it with you very consistently, and that's Younger. Mm-hmm. Um, just, like, had yeah. a really strong start, and then just, like, completely just, like, oh, went, eh, we don't have anything interesting to say, except we're going to go to Ireland, we guess, for reasons? No. No. And you don't even, like, do anything at the end with the big romantic stuff, and it's just like, no. No. Um, so that had a really big burnout for me. Um, what about you? Yeah, it collapsed like a flan in a cupboard, in the immortal words of Eddie Izzard. Um, also, similarly, uh, we had a, a strong start and then a bit of a fizzle for, uh, well, little of that for one on Earth, but it, ca- it came back yeah. by the end. Uh, certainly, we had that for People of Earth. Mm-hmm. The other one I'll mention like that is The Good Fight. That started yeah, sure. super duper strong and then did not end that way. How about uh, best, uh, most spectacular slow build? It's the good place season one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. It really is. Um, yeah. Is anything else or just move right on? Because I mean, no, no, I, I, I couldn't think of another one that had a really great slow build. The part like I can make a case for descending stories having a very slow build mm-hmm. um, across basically two seasons. Um, but it was the good place. Yeah. Yeah. How about uh, season long mystery, which is also is could be the good place, but I feel like that's a different thing because it's not a season long. Right. Yeah. And they're also not trying to figure out that where they are. They think they know where they are. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's for me, Kate, tell me, seriously, I still don't know who drew the dicks. <laughs> it was so satisfying, right? Yeah, no, it's deeply satisfying. And I like how it ends with a still ends with a question mark, but a very reasonable answer yeah. as well. Yeah. Um and in part, a reason, an answer that I sort of thought that the show was going to give me anyway. Um, but I really liked it. And it's a really well executed sort of crazy, silly mystery. So I really, I really liked it. I thought that Alias Grace really stuck the okay. ending as nice. well. Um, yeah. And Sweet Vicious just had a really spectacular last run of episodes. It's not really a season long mystery or anything, but just as mm-hmm. far as like 
the the motion towards sort of like the coming out of them not as their individuals but like going big with their brand i guess mm-hmm. um on campus that was a that was a, a nice end to the culmination a very strong sense of culmination even if it's not a reveal at the yeah. end um how about your finale payoff Obviously, right. Michael in the good place, but right. Obviously, Michael in the good place. Um, and so I and I really like the uh, one Mississippi finale um, this year as well, um, which is also in my most appreciated. But that was really strong. But I also want to like throw some shade at Younger's um, finale, which we've just mentioned is just d- weird in that it's also only twenty two minutes for some reason that doesn't make any sense. Uh, but also, I really don't like the finale um, payoff for Legion, which amounts to, hey, he's been trapped for four episodes. Hey, we just trapped him again. And just like, what? No, you don't get to do that. You don't let the man breathe a little bit. Um, so, yeah, the, I, those were the worst for me. Uh, but what uh, finale payoffs really worked well for you? Oh, the Orphan Black finale. I thought mm-hmm. it was terrific. And the decision to not end with some big action thing, but to end with character and okay. to, to have like end with like a family barbecue. Right. And and that's that is so great for Orphan Black and such a fitting end to the show. Um, to the, it's, a, it's an emotional payoff. And, and mm-hmm. I love that a, a genre show do, went for that you know approach. Um, also, the the finale, like the way that they Adventure Time like stuck its different landings at the end of each of its seasons, I thought has been, it's like, it's not the end. It's still in the middle of their story, but like the different endings I thought have all worked really well. So I wanted to mention that as well. How about underappreciated finales? Right. So I mentioned uh, one Mississippi's, um, but sweet vicious's finale, I think is also really good. And um, that show in general didn't get enough love, but Mm -hmm. it's finale. I thought was also really, really good. And promised so much. It promised so much for a second season. And I'm really, I was, it just didn't get enough attention. Uh, what about you? Um, this got a lot of attention, but the, what perhaps the best, one of the best finales I watched this year was Big Little Eyes, which I guess has some mm-hmm. finale payoff. Because that's a season long mystery. You find out who the culprit is. So that, I should have mentioned that a couple of categories ago. But Big Little Eyes, really, and like, they're going to do another season. Um, it's really hard to stick an end, uh, to stick a landing as well as they did, and I feel like people talk about the show is so good, but I don't know that they there's enough discussion around this highly praised show of how expertly they and satisfyingly they they resolve that last episode, um, and like the the mister like how everything comes to a head, and then just in one scene, everything becomes clear and is resolved and makes sense and then intrinsically binds the characters together so that they're they're doing a second season which is not based on the book there's not a book for that one but i don't really care um also anti tribeca underrated this year ah ah, ah, super fun that's an excellent choice i like that super ridiculous ending doesn't make any sense but i don't care I'll go. Yeah. I'll give it some love here. Um, as far as finales that um, I'm not enthused about necessarily. Oh, sorry. Twin Peaks also just amazing. And who, what, who even knows what happened? And it's insane and ridiculous, but it's great. How about overrated finales? Are there any that you just kind of want everybody to take another look at? Um, I couldn't really think of one. And then I remembered like when uh, the CW dropped the Arrow season finale. 
And I saw a number of television critics going, that was really good. And so I was just like, okay, I'll watch it. And I was just like, that was not really good. Let's <laughs> let's reevaluate our concepts of good real quick, everyone. And I do acknowledge that a lot of that came in with um, me having not watched half of the season. Mm-hmm. But it was just overall, I thought it was just kind of ridiculous um, and silly and not particularly like emotionally compelling. Um, but I, I, I really struggled to think of one that was legitimately, I think, overappreciated of anything that I had a long-standing viewing of um what about you stranger things finale it was fine oh yeah uh, it's it's not particularly fine but sure yeah it's okay and if everybody was there's a lot and everybody wasn't anything but there was a lot of love for that one and i didn't feel like i felt like kind of we watched different shows yeah a little bit there uh i'm surprised to not have you hear you mention danger and eggs finale well, Danger and Eggs is just significantly underrated anyway because it's a kids program on a streaming platform. <laughs> okay, fair enough, fair yeah. enough. Okay, so, but I know that was the finale that you really appreciated this year. Yeah, so. it was. Okay, well, let's move on to series. Best new comedy that was not in your top 20. Right, so for me, this was really easy. And I mean, I've been talking about it a lot tonight is American Vandal and Glow. I think we're both like skin of the teeth, not on my lists um so but yeah those were the like the two best new comedies that didn't make my list this year uh what about you yeah definitely um uh american vandal i didn't have danger and eggs in my top 20 um you know so so there's that's another one definitely um but those those are the two that that come to mind for me how about um best new drama non top 20 yeah uh, this was mindhunter which um almost made my list um but I really liked it. I'm very glad I'm getting a second season for it. Uh, what about you? Um, I also mentioned the the bold type, which had a really strong first season, but didn't quite make the list. Um, how about most improved series? I actually really sort of struggled with this and couldn't really come up with one that I felt like had made like a huge, huge leap. Um, for me, in terms of what I'd watched um this year, um, so I don't actually have a most improved for me this year. Um, what about you? I think Sense Eight, which I really liked last year, but mm-hmm. I thought there was a lot more breadth and depth to the world this year, and everything sure. that we liked about the first season, they took to eleven in the second season, and it still worked. So for me, yeah. it didn't go from bad to good, but it went from good to even better. How about okay. that- uh biggest season to season drop? There's, I feel like there's a correct answer for this, and it is. T- Top of the lake. Uh, I actually have top of the lake someplace else. So um, I went with American Crime uh, for this one. Mm -hmm. Um, That's another very solid choice. Yeah, um, this was this was, I think, like a really deep drop in quality for me. So I was really I was really frustrated by American Crime this this year, Um, especially since it was like really high in my list when uh last year like it wasn't even in contention this year so that that was where that fell for me okay for most underrated series is that still steven universe (laughs) no it is not steven universe um no uh i wanted to throw some love to grace and frankie Mm -hmm. um which has their new season their next season actually starts really soon um so go ahead and like start binging uh grace and frankie everyone because it's very 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 good and the next season starts in like january it starts in like the end of january i think 
Okay. Uh, yeah. How how about most overrated? Uh, overrated series. I actually sort of struggled with an overrated series this year in part because I feel like people kind of forgot Legion was a thing towards the end of this year. Um, but when it was on, people just wouldn't shut up about it. So I'm going with Legion. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, see, and I like Legion more than you did. Um, yeah. I'm going to say Iron Fist and the Defenders because there were way too many Defenders of Iron Fist. Are people saying yeah. like, oh, by episode eight, it gets really good. It's like, no, it doesn't. I watched it no. all. It never gets good. And, and yes, there are plenty of people like myself saying like, no guys it's terrible but there were too many people who were drinking the you know the the mind controlling substances from netflix and buying into that one uh when it really did not deserve it how about uh seriously guys why aren't you all watching yeah seriously guys uh why aren't you watching good behavior um which i am not and i will be soon for the podcast yeah Yeah, no we actually do need to discuss that and figure that out but yeah why aren't you guys watching good behavior michelle dockery is amazing on it but the show itself is really well crafted pulp um that still has a great deal of emotional sort of resonance and like i didn't mention them with the shipping but letty and javier are just so good and they're just they're such a good couple um and the show particularly this season has done a really good job dramatizing exactly why they're such a good couple um so yeah no seriously guys why aren't you watching good behavior on tnt Hmm. and seriously guys why aren't more of you watching queen sugar yeah so like like people who say they love drama aren't watching queen sugar now if you just don't have that channel i get that fair enough if that's yeah. the case, then, well, and same thing with Survivor's Remorse, which is now off the air. So why weren't you past tense? <laughs> but, um, but it, it, so if you think, well, I don't have that channel. That's a very legit answer. Then to you, I say, why are you watching Claws? Why aren't mm-hmm. more of you watching Claws? Because that show is like, yes, it has sections in the middle I was not particularly fond of and I thought were not great. But it really improves. It like as soon as you start to doubt the show, it finds its feet again, and it's super fun and super engaging, and definitely a lot of fun. Like some of these shows, like I get why people don't watch The Leftovers. I get it. I get why people aren't, aren't like, "Ooh, how about we watch this documentary about sexual abuse in the church for the keepers?" Like I get it. I don't get why more people aren't watching Claws. Yeah, no, that's a really good choice too, and I like that both of our choices are. Why are you guys watching TNT right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How about why aren't we watching? Why aren't we watching? Kate, why aren't we watching We Bear Bears? <laughs> That's a very good question. Because, like, my person really, really likes it. And a really good friend of mine also really, really likes it. And I actually sort of watched a few episodes uh, last weekend. Kate, we really should be watching We Bear Bears. I'm just saying that right now. We should really probably be watching We Bear Bears. Okay, done. Yeah. Noted. Yeah. Added, adding it to the list. Yeah. Um. Also, why aren't I watching? Descending uh, Stories? No. Well, uh, yes, all the ones that you were trying to get me to watch, certainly. Yeah. But I found time for Murder, She Baked, and I still didn't finish <laughs> catching up with being mary jane i caught up on it but i i, I did it got most of the way caught up but i didn't finish that one so that one still i why am i not watching being mary jane but i but i watched murder she i baked. should be watching being mary jane too 
Yeah, we should yeah. be. Um, we Bear Bears will be easier to catch up on. There's less of it. <laughs> so yeah. we'll see if we can rectify that one soon. How about uh, the Anne Veal Award for... I mean, it's... Her? Yeah, it's still Legion. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm just... Uh, the Handmaid's Tale? Like, okay. Sure. It's, there's a lot of it that's really, really good. Don't get me yeah. wrong. I'm fully aware of that. I gave it a glowing review. I urge people to go buy Hulu to watch it. But yeah, like, we both did. Did you guys keep watching it? And if you did keep watching it, did you not like see what happened in the second half of the season? Yeah. So that's where I'm at with The Handmaid's Tale. Um, hopefully it will be much more hopefully there will be perspectives not at all considered in the first season that in, in, that in, in fact the second season how about the homework award for show that now feels like homework that probably we should have broken up with um uh, some of that was like handmaid's tale a little bit for me mm-hmm. um especially towards the end um orange is the new black this season felt a lot like homework in large parts of it um and I still sort of liked watching it, but I definitely did not like it nearly as much as I did previous seasons. And since a lot of it was attempting to be very topical, um, I admired that aspect of it. But the show itself really sort of struggled with its whole conceit of taking over the course of a couple of days and still managing to tell sort of a cohesive story. It really struggled on that. So I uh, I wanted to finish it, but I probably shouldn't have, like, done it all at once. Yeah. Um, but do you have a homework award? Um, yeah, I got a couple. Broad City, a little bit this year. Oh, sad. Yeah, like, it's good. Don't get me wrong. It's good. But I had to, like, remind myself that it was on a lot. Yeah. Um, And also Star Trek for that a little bit. I had to remind myself that this, there was a Star Trek show. And I feel bad because it did get, it, it, I think it improved and it's much more interesting and it's grown and you know, it's still in its growing pains of its first season. Yeah. But yeah, I kind of had to like remind myself that there was a Star Trek show. And for me, that's, that's a big deal. How about the Ringer Award? For right. Sh- um, yeah. Kate, I don't know why I haven't given up on Riverdale yet. I really don't know. <laughs> um, but I'm still watching and I'm probably still going to be watching when it comes back. And I don't know why. I, I mean, there's the elements of camp and that I really enjoy that the, when the, when it leans into it. But also, like, its central mystery for the first half of season two was just really bad. And the conclusion for it was very bad. Um, but I still feel vaguely compelled to keep watching it. I don't know why, and I need help. I need an intervention, <laughs> Kate. Get the banner. Um, what about you? What show should you have given up on? Um, I should have given up on the Amazing Race, and I will probably and obviously Iron Fist. I already said, but like, yeah, but I will probably watch it when it comes back in a couple weeks again. And yeah. like, there's not a good reason I sh- I shouldn't be watching it, but I probably still will. So that's okay, the- yeah, because I was actually going to set a season pass for the Amazing Race this year. There you go, because uh, I kind of felt like watching it, and <laughs> uh, but now well, maybe I shouldn't. I don't know. <laughs> well, it's a new season. Who knows? We'll yeah. see. Yeah. How about Gone But Not Forgotten? Favorite shows that are no longer with us at the end of 2017. By Sweet Vicious. By yeah. The Carmichael Show. By Girl Meets World. Oh, two, I didn't know that one. 
Yeah, no, they got canceled this year. They had a very nice finale um, that basically had every single cast member from Boy Meets World that was still alive (laughs) um, show up. Uh, But it was very, very good. And I really appreciated that they made an effort to be like, well, we can do this show on Freeform if you'll let us sort of like finale while still making sure that they have like a closed off ending. But I'm really going to miss Girl Meets World. I really, really liked Girl Meets World. It's sort of bad racial politics aside. Mm -hmm. Uh, What about you? Well, Samurai Jack, Mm -hmm. it it was... It was time, but we're still, I'm still going to miss it yeah. um, after that strong return this for most, for most of this year. Um, uh, do we know about the bold type yet? Yeah, no, it's coming back for season two. Oh, okay. Phew. It has an, it has a completely new showrunner. Um, it has, oh, yeah, um, that's the, right. the person who uh, ran Sweet Vicious has taken over, which is nice, but also like, Oh, but I really liked what the bold type was doing. Yeah, yeah. Um, difficult people, hold and catch fire, survivors' remorse. These are all ones that uh, certainly we, we will miss. Um, now we'll take a break, our last break, and come back with our last chunk of awards. Everything else that we hadn't already thought of. We'll be right back after this. <laughs> you michael uh-uh i'm not fooling with you michael back up i ain't playing with you meatball michael i'm not playing with you meatball something don't taste right because it ain't right like when you take a sip of water and it turns out to be sprite i know your secret and now i regret ever helping you out your closet is this what i deserve i took it at your word you know i'm not too feminine to cut me up a nerd what's worse being heartbroke or roach bit heartbroke or roach bit or like seeing you in your outfit I gave you that outfit I'd rather be roach bitch Hell no, I ain't playing with your Michael Uh-uh, I'm not fooling with your Michael For real, I ain't playing with your Michael Michael, I'm not playing with your meatball I'm a liar, sweetie. I cheat on niggas, too. I do. Probably shouldn't trust me or I'll hurt your feelings, boo. I don't want to be here, but my ex won't take me back, so my broken ass is here, small talking over abs. Put it down, girl. I'm so dead inside, nigga. I cry every day. You should get the check, and here's the tip, Jack. Run away. Wait, wait, wait. I can get ridiculous, but I don't have you, and I need my fix. You make me feel magnificent. I'll be your supply, and I can't resist. You got me all messed up. You make my heartbeat race. Damn. It's uncontrollable. I want you every day. What did you do to me? Because love is like a drug. And you must be the plan. the end here it's our last set of awards it's been a full it's been a full best of 2017 here we've talked about a lot of tv what were your best surprises of 2017 tv 
Uh, the best surprise is very easy for me to pick, and that was Danger and Eggs, because I had no idea what the hell this was. Mm-hmm. Um, and also because I remember you putting in the rundown document and me going like, I don't know what this is. And then me brushing that off and then the week coming up on it, I was just like, I don't, what is this? And <laughs> then it was so delightful and lovely and so high in my top 20 list. Um, so yeah, no, that was like my best surprise was Danger and Eggs this year. Also the Good Place season one finale. <gasps> what about you? <laughs> I also have One Day at a Time. I have American mm-hmm. Vandal. Those both kind of came out of nowhere for me. Um, yeah. And uh, though it took me a little bit for One Day at a Time. Also Bright Lights, Carrie Fisher and Debbie Reynolds was mm-hmm. just such a lovely documentary about Carrie Fisher and DeRails that they came out shortly after, or at least went out on HBO shortly after the death of Carrie Fisher last year. Um, and so, yeah, the, the timing of that, that aired in 2017, but um, that, I I was very surprised to find that I had such strong feelings about Carrie Fisher and like her, her public persona and her life and her writing and such. I haven't read any of her books. Um, I've never seen her speak. I've never seen, I haven't seen her movies. I haven't watched her special, but just the little bit that I know of her from Twitter and from people's stories about her, I was surprised how impacted I was by her death. And then to, to, to learn more about her with bright lights um really compounded that uh i saw some i see some very strong correlations um with elements of her personality and with uh my late grandmother and so it was really special for me to watch that and get like after she was already dead but (laughs) at least to to get to, to to feel like i could discover this really cool person who had lived that i hadn't ever been aware of that in a full way when she was alive but at least i could appreciate some of her just brilliance after she was gone so that was one of my surprises last year how about um worst disappointment um top i've china i've china like sorry china girl top of the lake just because like the high the highs were so high like mm-hmm. like because season one i loved it so much there were a lot of disappointing tv choices in 2017 but then like for me the gap was just so big Right, and see, like, that is in my spotlight of shame, is how bad I think of Top of the Lake China Girl. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, so American Crime Season 3 is, like, my biggest disappointment of this year. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I totally feel you, because it's my spotlight of shame was Top of the Lake. Because mm-hmm. um, it was just so, it was so muddled, and the performances, while kept like veering into something interesting but then we have a terrible villain you have very bad racial politics you have i mean just everything top top to bottom is just really terrible plus the whole retconning of uh moss's character's relationship and just like it was just bad um and so that i think is like a much bigger sin than like a it's more than disappointing Mm mm-hmm well, my spotlight of shame, I went a little more real world with it. I went uh, everybody who's been outed by Me Too. Okay, good choice. Screw all. I hope you all face serious consequences, long-term consequences, unlike some certain executives and writers who work for CBS who have not had any long-term consequences at all. But at least many people have been fired and lost their current jobs and they're going to have to 
get another one um, after this. And that is amazing. And every single one of you, yeah, Louis C.K., you go crawl under a rock. I, we don't need to see you for quite a while. Um, and there's plenty of others, too. So that, that's who I got my spotlight of shame for Best Discovery. I uh, There were several came to mind, but I went with Alexis Bledel for The Handmaid's Tale. Because I didn't know she could do that. <laughs> I don't think any of us knew she could do that. And there was plenty of evidence that she couldn't do any of that. Um, that's That was also my choice. <laughs> <laughs> okay. How about breakthrough performance? Uh, this is, um, I mean, Bladell seems like a decent choice for this, but it was Betty Gilpin all day long. Right? Kate. Yeah. I mean, I mean, she's she's done other stuff prior to like this year, mm-hmm. but like her work on Glow and American Gods were like just so good. Yeah, and so yeah, it's her. Even if you and I like, we got hints with Elementary, we got a taste, Kate. Mm-hmm. But then it was just like it's just Glow and American Gods. It was like next level stuff. Yeah, and again, I have it here. If I had seen her episode of Master of None, I'm sure I would have Lena Waithe. I haven't seen it, though, so I can't choose that. But I was, it was great to see her get um, writing Emmy and certainly break through in a much bigger way in this year. So that's pretty awesome for, for her. Um, I also have Rachel uh, Brosnahan with Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Like, that's such a great choice. character yeah. for her. Like, she's been around doing stuff, but, like, that sometimes it just takes the right character for an actor to be able to show what they can do. And that has happened for her with Maisel. So that that's pretty cool. How about Breakthrough Series? Because there's lots of TV we watch that we like that nobody else watches or talks about. What's a show that had a breakthrough first year or, or returning year? Right. So, um, weirdly, I think Halt and Catch Fire sort of like had like in its last season sort of a breakthrough, um, sort of buzz conversation. Um, I wish we could have said something like Queen Sugar. Um, but my top choice for this was One Day at a Time, mm-hmm. um, which really like, I think, like you said, like snuck up on a lot of us. Um, but then there was that immediate moment especially like in the aftermath of the election where this came on in january right before the inauguration and we it was just it was a balm really on the soul and we were all sort of very much here for it and very much embracing uh everything that the show was wanting to explore and depict and so that for me was the breakthrough series i think and for me, I was very heartened to see it get so much attention at the end of the year. Yeah. Because I, cause because it took me a little longer to get to it. So I missed that initial wave of discussion around it. Yeah. And then I felt like I was discovering it and nobody else was talking about it and nobody, everybody else had kind of forgotten it. And then we got to December and it started showing up everywhere on lists. And I was really heartened by that. I also have the bold type. I think that one's gotten a lot of buzz yeah, because it did. Yeah. This, this year, like, and, um, where that was, one took a little while too, though, is the yeah. thing. This was like, it took like half the season for everyone to catch on. And I remember Vulture writing something. I just went, Oh, you Johnny come lately, folks. <laughs> Yeah. How did we not mention Kadena, by the way, in shipping? Because, like, ah! you yeah. know, it took me a while, but I, I now ship it hard. Yeah. Anyways, how about best overall network? This one is less obvious for me than it used to be. Yeah, it is. And so I kind of had to go with Netflix this year, um, which I feel iffy about because I, we should at least change this to not network since that's ABC, CBS, NBC, CW, and Fox, technically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But from, like, a television delivery platform system um, that isn't Musk Vision, 
Um, yeah, it was Netflix for me. Um, just the quality of the programming that we got um, and the diversity that they're able to give because of their endless amounts of money. Um, it was just a really rich plethora. And if you wanted to dig into like a lot of um, foreign language television particularly if you want to dig into um japanese or korean television but also like i think they're bulking up their indian um television stuff as well there are lots of options there and it's just sifting through it and finding it um but their english language programming was also just really great this year too yeah i i don't have a pick for this yeah because i'm really split between several different like distribution platforms and channels and networks. So I'm just going to not pick one because okay. I don't feel like there's as like clear a it's the CW guys or it's yeah. HBO or it's, you know, and so I look forward to charting that sort of over the next year to see if we're going to be at parity for a while, or if it's, we're just kind of jockeying and then another network is going to kind of rise as the clearer home for really interesting television. So we'll see what happens. Um, how about it should have worked. But it didn't work. What came to mind? Star Trek Discovery. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what shouldn't have worked, though? It was a very stupid decision doing half your show and freaking Klingon. That was just yeah. dumb. That never was, was gonna work. And nope. But the rest of the show, absolutely agree with you. Yeah. How about the It Shouldn't Have Worked award for people who managed to pull it off? Now, this one, due to the brilliance of the ladies over at... Um, and, and gentlemen um silent gentlemen over at uh podlander drunk cast they came up with a term that i was like that's hilarious and brilliant and we've been doing this for a while for many years now and i never would have thought of this for this category gunning it as in tim gunn as in they made it work <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's good trademark podlander drunk cast julie specifically at podlander drunk cast okay who who was gunning it this year all right, well, just from, like, a basic sort of, like, premise stuff, like, The Good Place obviously shouldn't have worked, let alone getting a third season. Um, Sweet Vicious shouldn't have worked based on, again, on its premise, without being just, like, sort of exploitive, um, sort of wish, uh, exploitation film, wish fulfillment. Um, but it ended up having that cake and having some really strong emotional stuff as well, uh, which, to my mind, it shouldn't have worked either, and it does beautifully. Um, and I think that those were like the two that shouldn't have worked this year, but really, really did. And I can still claim Sweet Vicious and Good Place since they just, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I'm doing those two. Uh, what about you? Bilquis should huh. not have worked, but Yatina <laughs> Badaki made it work. Yeah, but she didn't get enough to do. No, but I'm saying her first scene. Yeah. Should never have worked. Yeah. But through the sheer force of will of that actor and the direction and editing yeah. and everything, but like specifically that performance, Utini Badaki made it work. And that is very impressive because, yeah, she swallows a man with her vagina. Like, that that shouldn't work. But it it totally did. Um, so props to American Gods. I like we I've got my issues with American Gods, but that absolutely worked also replacing bowie with a t-tail shouldn't work but it's twin peaks of course it did um 
now we have a new award, the Polish That Turd Award. What show did the best job of interacting with or responding to a topic that was on many shows' minds this year? And that's Trump in the 2016 election. Right. Well, I mean, I mentioned uh, Late Night and Seth Meyers, I think, really steered into that, uh, especially recently, even at the end of the year where they're just like, you know what, as a Christmas present to herself, we're going to use his uh, animatronic face from the Hall of Presidents because it is horrifying um, instead of like using an official actual portrait of Trump. Um, so them, Samantha B, I think has done really nice work in leaning into the post Trump era. Um, fictionally scripted, uh, good fight. I still think does a really good sort of immediate resonance. Um, but also tackling that sort of uncertainty around it from how does he feel about NBC and revoking broadcast licensing? And how does that influence shows that episodes that broadcast networks air? And that kind of a thing, um, I think, really speaks to that that high degree of uncertainty of like, this guy could literally do anything and we don't know what it is. Um, it's, it has the most sort of immediate effect on on me for those and in very like overt ways. Um, what about you? Yeah, there were a bunch, I guess there were a bunch that interacted with this in different ways. The three that come to mind, uh, they threw... They threw Lucy under the bus, but the Blackish Lemons episode, especially for coming out so early in the year, I thought did a did a good job of having his characters you know interact with the election. Um, just the completely crazy way that that difficult people spinned off into a different reality post Trump was a hilarious way to, to do that. Um, but the one that I think if I had to pick a single episode that was most interesting and and did the best job of, of bringing its characters into that world is bold type uh, with mm-hmm. before tequila sunrise when they're stuck in the office because trump is that's at a bar. choice yeah um or at a restaurant i should say um those are i think the ones that you mentioned as all well. of course the late night shows also were very focused on this as well but um those were the the narrative ones that came to mind for me next up we're almost at the end here we have the anchor award for person persons element something that like an otherwise perfectly fine show just getting dragged down i've got a strong pick for this what do you have all right so i have two anchors for two different shows i have maya's family on the good fight is just yeah i don't know why it's there it's terrible and that show could if you just free maya from those from the the anchor that is her family and let her interact with like diane um Mm -hmm. suddenly it's just like wow this show would be really good we don't need the domestic stuff everyone um but then this is more of a, this is, I hate identifying this as an anchor, but it is something that is like dragging the show a little bit for me. And it's being done purposefully. And we've talked about this, we've acknowledged it, but it doesn't mean that it's still not an issue. And that's Foff Angel on Queen Sugar. Mm-hmm. Um, is like, this is a really well acted character. Um, but from a, like a writing perspective, it's just, the choices that Ralph Angel is like continually having to make for the sake of narrative tension and drama is just, it's really frustrating to watch that even as I really like the performer, but it's just, it's, 
it's going to become a larger weight for Queen Sugar as it moves forward. It could become a larger weight for the show as it continues to go forward. And so I worry about that. Uh, what about you? What are some things weighing down uh, shows that you're otherwise really enjoying? Oh, no, I have one pick. Okay. And it's taking a show that might be fine to mm-hmm. just grown worthy for half of the scenes. And that's The Sinner. And that's Bill Pullman. Oh, good choice. Because he's he's just bad. Detective and Harry Ambrose. Bad. Yeah. Oh God, everything about Harry Ambrose is bad. And Bullman, we know, is a good actor. We've seen him be good in many, many things. But like when he's like, birds need to fly. It's like he's like, oh, all the all the plants are significant, and now all the birds are significant. And oh God, no! <laughs> it took this this like potentially interesting show and just like sapped all the energy and interest in life out of half of the scene so yeah no bad the sinner bad how about life fest award for like one element or part of a show that takes a mundane show and makes it much more entertaining for you uh and this really applies more so for like the end of the first half of the season we've gotten um more so than like the beginning of it um, because, uh, previously, uh, it was operating in the dick mode of things, but things have shifted a little bit. And Anthony Rapp is basically sort of keeping me engaged in Star Trek Discovery. Um, especially again, um, since he injected himself with tardigrade flash technology or whatever the hell that was, <laughs> uh, the spores, Kate, the spores. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's so much good stuff coming, I feel like, for Rap's character. And um, once the show, like, lets him do the stuff. But he's very good in that time, in that time loop episode. And the, the promise of, like, what's going on, I think, is really great uh, for uh, Stamets. And Rap's really good when he gets something better to play than just being kind of an asshole to everyone because he's angry and grumpy that he's a science officer in the middle of a war zone. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. That's a good call. Um, for me, the one that came to mind is Bill Potts on Dr. Who, because mm-hmm. I love that. There's so much about this last season that I've just found tiresome or not interesting, but I, every time I watched, I loved what Promacky was doing with that character and what the opportunities that character provided. Even as I didn't really care that much about the doctor this season, I've never been a big Missy fan, so I didn't care about that stuff. And I found the Nardole stuff got old quickly for me, but I always found joy in Mackie's performance as Bill in her costumes, her awesome costuming wardrobe was super fun and in the perspective that that character brought like because the 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 companion is like the person who's experiencing the world for the first time the universe for the first time can get a bit rote but they usually for the writing and with the performance they usually found ways to make that beat of i'm the person who doesn't know anything and i'm gonna go wow all the time like they managed to like make that a little more interesting or a little more surprising than you would maybe expect and that's that's crucial for that role on the show so so i wanted to single out again pro mackey as bill potts how about show that we last quick category show that we are hoping makes a leap next year either quality wise or people actually watch it <laughs> what comes to mind well i mean people actually watching um is sort of where i was landing on this one so like i'd really like some people to watch bold type i'd really like some people to watch danger and eggs um i'd really like some people to watch queen sugar um just 
pay for the episodes if you can, if you have to. It's just just do it. Just do it. Um, but those are like shows I want to take like consciousness leaps in like your television experience. Um, but I don't really have a show that I wanted to make like a big quality jump because I felt like a lot of stuff that I really liked this year or felt engaged by doesn't like you were saying doesn't need to make like big leaps uh just needs to take like notches up almost yeah well like for me um and then second all those shows that you said i'll throw steven universe in there right nobody's watching steven it'd be nice if you were um also scientology in the aftermath it gets really low ratings, all things considered. And I, I think it's a really affecting, really, really terrific show. I'd, be, I'd love to have more people watch it. Um, but yeah, most of the shows that we watch either made moves towards improving already this year, or they're really consistent. And they just like, if they, if they, it's not like there's a show with a lot of potential, but a lot of problems, at least not one that I'm watching right now. So yeah, I mean, really for me, it just is about viewing numbers. And I mean, just watch queen sugar it's so good <laughs> it has so much potential and i think they're gonna figure everything out i hope they're gonna figure everything out with ralph angel and this paternity test and all that stuff in the in the hiatus it'll come back refreshed because when that show is is good it is great so i think that is a good pick for that one um that wraps up the 2017 we survived noel we did we let me save here. We didn't have to re-record anything, listeners. Last year we had to re-record a chunk, at least one segment, because yeah. I didn't hit record on my side. Yeah, because well, and just because technical difficulties. So like yeah. nothing like recording for three and a half hours and then finding out you have to record for another hour. Yay! <laughs> yeah, no, we went like four or five hours last time, and it was a whole was, thing. That was not pleasant. Um. Yeah, but it was it was it was lovely. It's just we it was more fun the first time. But yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> but thank you, thank you, Noel, for talking 2017 with me. Next week we'll talk we'll talk about the sh- the shows that were airing, you know, while we were uh, doing our best of uh, over the last several weeks, and we'll we'll preview a little bit of what's to come in 2018. But it has been a lovely 2017, at least on this podcast with you, Noel. So thank you so much. Thank you, Kate. It has been just a pleasure. Yeah. Um, listeners, a few show notes here at the end of the episode. You can find a post for this episode over at theteleverse.org where you can leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of the best of 2017, what you thought of the year in TV. You can email us at gmail.com. You can like our page on Facebook and start up a conversation there, or you can find us on iTunes with an M4A chaptered feed and an MP3 unchaptered feed. You can also, of course, find us on Twitter. I am at the Televerse, and Noel, you are? At Noel RK. And after a very lengthy best of 2017 we will say good night or good afternoon or good morning wherever you are and we'll be back next week next year with another episode of the televerse we tell ourselves that we're in a movie whoa 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 each one of us thinks we got the starring role roll 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 but the truth is sometimes you're the lead and sometimes you're an extra just walking by in the background like me josh groban because life is a gradual series of revelations that occur over a period of time some things might happen that seem connected But there's not always a reason or rhyme People are in characters They're complicated And their choices don't always make sense That being said It's really messed up That you banged your ex-boyfriends 
Never bang your ex-boyfriend, dad.